take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to Life in Wonderland. the life and red podcast what is up and finally after a long wait and many tries to get her on casey morrison welcome Hello. to the life thank and red you. podcast thank you. sorry for uh, me. casey you are interesting in the fact that you are a nurse at the auto hospital so. thanks but we've talked about this like i always say to you uh nurses don't get the respect they deserve i tend to agree most of the time i would say most of the time um, i will say we get a lot of compliments from people too, and the compliments we do get are super heartwarming. And uh, you get them occasionally. I think public perception is maybe different than what I think I do as nursing, different than what the public thinks I do. But when people really see you and they give you those compliments, like it means a lot. Interesting. So we can go right into it then, because oh, okay. as sure. a public person, so my yes. mom was a nurse, and yes. granted, I don't know much. I knew that she would have to work Christmas mm-hmm. uh, every second year. Mm-hmm. So she had missed a lot of holidays. I remember her working uh, it was, without commute. She was working like 12-hour shifts uh, four days a week, and she'd get four or five days off. But two yes. of them were days, two of them were nights. Exactly my schedule. That must be hard all in itself, uh, working nights so and missing holidays. Yes. So. When I first started, it was really hard missing holidays. I remember the first time I missed Christmas, I like cried and cried the whole night. Um, and it was my very first year as nursing because I was all worried that I was going to miss my family stuff. But my mom, too, was a nurse growing up. But she worked eight-hour shifts. So if she missed the lunch part of Christmas, then she would make it to the supper part. Uh, whereas I work 12s like your mom. Um, so I work two 12-hour day shifts, 24 hours off, and then two 12-hour night shifts. Uh, I, I would say that's pretty much the most common schedule, at uh, at least at the Civic. I think other hospitals do um, rounds where they do a whole week of day shifts and then a week of night shifts, which sounds rougher to me because I say five days, but it's actually more like four and a half because you get off in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I value those. Like being able to do groceries on a Tuesday or a Wednesday rather than a Saturday or Sunday, farm boys a mess <laughs> you know like i really do value that do so. you find, find there's like a a distance uh like when you're working like i guess from reality right because the, oh the structure God, yeah. like yeah uh, it's like it's nine to five monday to friday yeah. you get your weekends yeah. oh big time and it's it's really evident with uh making plans with people so oh, just trying to record this podcast with you and you sent me your calendar i was like i don't even know what, what is this, this mess? is <laughs> i know i know it's uh it's it's really obvious when I try and make plans uh, because obviously a lot of my friends are nurses. So our schedules work. So if I have a friend who's on a different line than me, so she starts her two days, two nights on a, I start on Monday, she starts on a Wednesday. We have like two days that we can hang out or one of us is post nights or one of us is post days. So you're exhausted Mm -hmm. pretty much no matter what. So you're really busy. So it sucks trying to make plans with nurses, but then making plans like my best friend works Monday to Friday so obviously she wants to make plans if we're doing a day-long thing on the weekend. So we'll look at my schedule. And the reason I have such a crazy schedule like that is because, like, I have weekends booked in November because I'm, I'm working pretty much every other weekend or part of every weekend, but then I might have three weekends off in a row. Like, it's really variable mm-hmm. with that schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then if you floating, do switches, eh? then you're all mm. over the place, which I do a lot of switches. So I would say it's a, it's a really good schedule for me because I – 
am okay with the shift. Mm-hmm. I like the variety of mixing days and nights because it's a very different job, even though it's the same job. Um, but then I also sleep well during the day. Yeah. And the biggest complaint of people that work nights is obviously like not getting any sleep beforehand and just being a zombie. Mm-hmm. And if they have kids, oh my God, I can't even imagine if I had kids. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember when my mom would be off a night shift and she would be sleeping, like it was quiet till 2 p.m. Like we were yes. tiptoeing around the house. Or like, you'd hear about it. You'd like <laughs> drop a little, like you'd drop something in the kitchen in yeah. the sink. <gasps> Everyone like don't freezes the whole house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god, yeah. you don't hear a move. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go backtrack a bit because I didn't even ask what, like, your nurse. Like, where do you? I don't know what the like. Is it what the, type of nursing you, kind of thing? That or like, yeah. you know, what floor? So what, what, I work at the Auto Civic Hospital. Yeah, just down the road from here. Um, and I am on the vascular floor. So you have your own little. I'm wearing team my sweater. Jersey. I know I was supposed to come straight <laughs> from work, <laughs> but I didn't. So I thought I'd rep. Um, I'm wearing my, uh, my nursing sweater. If people are wondering what we're talking about, I, uh, I work on the vascular surgery floor. So patients that are before or after, oh, now we're urology as well. We just picked up vascular urology and ENT. So ear, nose, and throat. Mm. Um, the majority of my career, I worked vascular though. So, uh, patients that are pre and post surgery. So, um, a lot of people think I'm like in the OR or something like that. I'm not. I'm, I send them to surgery and I get them back from surgery. Usually, sometimes they don't have it, um, and it's mostly inpatient care, so wound care. Um, like I have typically four patients on days and six on nights. So if you've gone to visit somebody in the hospital, you've probably gone to a floor like mine. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so what? vascular surgery so what, what does is that it? entail like what does uh what, what kind of diseases yeah. do you face or injuries or um a mix of both usually diseases though so vascular surgery generally um arises so you get vascular surgery most of my patients are let's say diabetics who have poor blood flow to their feet um poor blood flow to your feet doesn't mean you're necessarily diabetic it's just a a risk of that disease. Uh, it could also mean that you have heart conditions. If you were there to get your heart fixed, you'd go over to the Heart Institute, but poor blood flow of any kind can lead to poor blood flow in your legs, in your mm-hmm. arms. So I also have a lot of dialysis patients. So the main thing I see is um, surgeries to increase blood flow. So you might take a good vein, flip it upside down, and turn it into an artery in the leg. Mm. Um, and I see a lot of eventually amputations. So the vast majority of my patients long-term end up with amputations, um, but that can take years and years. Like that could take 30 years to progress. Uh, Or if they come in and they haven't been treating it well at home, uh, they they might have to start off with an amputation. Now urology is generally like anything bladder, um, mostly prostate removal Mm -hmm. though, so. Um, Okay, interesting. Um, Would you say that you have like regulars or like, oh god yeah really frequent flyers frequent flyers frequent. is our like i always i always <laughs> make the joke and <laughs> it's so tacky but i say it every time is like when i see some, a patient that's back that you know i'm on good terms with or they might recognize me i certainly recognize them I'll always be like oh my god did you bring your card in your stamp card you got to get your frequent flyer miles like it's pretty common because you like i said you start with trying to revascularize the leg or the arm or whatever the issue is um but eventually that 
new vascularization goes by the wayside depending on how they take care of mm -hmm. themselves. Um, and so the biggest thing that is not uh, preempted by like diabetes, a lot of times people can't control. A lot of my patients are type 1 diabetics too. The biggest thing is smokers. So mm, hear that smokers. Smokers, okay. I know everybody has their vice. I certainly have vices myself. Being a nurse, I'm a big fan of going out. Um, but smoking and a, whenever I see a nurse that smokes, it like kills me inside. And uh, some of my friends do. And it, it's yeah. like I can't possibly I don't want to say it. it's funny, but I remember uh, my mom being a nurse. Uh, she smoked at the yeah. time. And when she it said was it was quite popular. common. Yes, it, it you're used right. To it be was in the '90s and then, early yeah. 2000s, and probably earlier than that. It was, yeah. but I like you obviously know the dangers of yeah, this. Yeah, that's what kills me. You kind of are like, I don't. I'm just going to ignore that. No, like whatever, it won't happen to me. Yeah. Or they know that it would, and yeah. then all they would say is like, oh, well, if it's yeah. me, just like pull the plug. Yeah. I'm like, it's the same as it's the same as people who tell you like. And nurses and doctors do it all the time, like eat healthy and work out and then like get a lot of sleep. And then as nurses, we generally have like 15 minutes to eat in our 12 hour shift. We go home and drink a glass of wine and get four hours of sleep. Like <laughs> like nurses are pretty terrible yeah, when it comes a great to like healthy lifestyle. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. But then know? you have those four and a half days where you can totally yeah. recruit. And, re and right? a lot of my friends are really healthy and like work out all the time. So it's, it is good, and it obviously means more. Um, but the biggest thing is patients that are on my unit, uh, a lot of the times they're either diabetic or smokers. And smoking is the one that kills me. It's because if you, if you stop, there's a chance you'll recover. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them don't. So it's pretty rough. And some of my – like the staff surgeons will tell you, like, I will not do surgery on you unless you stop smoking. Hmm. And – it really helps a lot of people yeah. too, right? Because everything gets healthier when you stop smoking, mm -hmm. obviously. I think everyone knows that. It's just like easier said than done, which yeah. I understand. I've always but... wondered that because I, I don't think I've really had an addiction before. No. Um, and then you hear people that it's like it's it's mind over matter. Like your mind right. basically can help you get over things. And I'm not I'm not talking about anything else at this point other than cigarettes but i mean i don't know about you i've tried cigarettes I've before yeah of course i've, I've like from we're both from small towns. yeah so i smoked a, pa a, yeah, a pack yeah, yeah. in one night and oh, i'm like oh well i'm a small towner i might yeah. as well try then i tried yeah. the next day i was like ah this is gross yeah. like pitch it out <laughs> yeah. and gonna puke it's like i can't oh, yeah i it, certainly remember trying them and like my eyes watering and being like guys i'm i'm cool now I'm uh, cool now. yeah really. right yeah. <laughs> i still that's my favorite yeah. unpopular opinion smoking uh, yeah. a cigarette totally makes you look cool oh it's so annoying because i don't uh, i don't agree but just, it looks just cool the in the act, movies right? You're like, I just, oh, like, if it didn't smell so bad, I would definitely agree. Just think of the wall. Not the, when you're going to kiss somebody in the hand. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yellow yeah, teeth. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to what your actual job in a daily life mm -hmm. as a nurse is versus what we see. I sure. think we, as like the generality of people, you either only experience nurses in really two ways, unless you know them, is... Um, you were in a hospital or someone you loved was in right. a hospital or two, you watched Grey's Anatomy oh. or house or some yeah. doctor show. Dear Lord, I know. Um, and I remember asking my mom, I was like, how yeah, close accurate. to like real life yeah. is this? Do people actually like sleep together? <laughs> but the point of even those shows is there's still no 
focus on the nurses, right? Like something goes uh, no. wrong and like the doctor's just like, get out of the way. Or they're, they're yelling at them to go right. get something. Right. Um, I assume that's no. not necessarily the case. No, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Obviously that happens in, in, in emergencies. The sleeping together, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think a lot of people uh, still vi- like visualize it, and back in the day, it definitely was as a hierarchical thing, uh, versus colleagues. Um, some of the doctors that I'm getting orders from are like three years younger than me at this point, and I'm kind of like, what am I doing with my life? But things like Grey's Anatomy and stuff, they do fo- focus on the glamour mm-hmm. of doctors' lives, and they're the ones do- doing the surgery. But I don't think what people understand is the one handing them all the objects is not another doctor, it's a nurse. Mm -hmm. So in the surgery sense, like nurses are everywhere. They're the ones that you see roaming around getting stuff. Um, You're the, a nurse to me is uh, what I like to call uh, team get shit done, (laughs) right? Like, Oh, I I like that. And a lot of businesses have this. uh, The grunt. Yeah, where there's people who just make it happen Mm -hmm. and... It, everything runs smoothly and yes. no one knows the wiser, yes. but that's because there's just people who get shit done. Okay, I love there's, that. There's the yeah. stars. There's the stars. <laughs> but there's the people who make yes. it all happen, so yes. they just walk into work yes. and just go, look at me, and everyone's like, oh my mm-hmm. God, look at him. And then... For sure. So I love that you said that because there's like a number of things that tie into that. So uh, I think a lot of people don't understand how seldom you're going to see the doctor because they see TV shows like Grey's Anatomy and one of my favorite memes in the history of the world is like this nursing meme and it's three doctors in Grey's Anatomy getting a patient up to walk him to see how he's going to walk and every physiotherapist and nurse in the world was like what the hell they a doctor has never walked a patient in my entire life I've never (laughs) seen a doctor they go to you and they're like can the patient walk and you're like no I've never once in my life even seen a doctor walk alongside a patient the average uh, patient, I don't know where I got the statistics, so like, don't hold me to it. But Fake news. I know, fake news, I know. <laughs> it was bound to come up. Uh, <laughs> um, the average surgeon, after surgery or before surgery, um, sees their patient for two to five minutes per day. Hmm. And that's the resident that's under the staff surgeon, not the actual surgeon who you're like, oh, my, I'm under Dr. Forsyth, like... It's the resident that works underneath them. And I think a lot of people are under the impression, I saw my surgeon in clinic. I'm going to see him the whole time I'm here. Well, he's busy doing surgery pretty much all day, every day. Mm. And I say he, he or she. Mm-hmm. I just happen to have mostly male physicians on my uh, staff team. Mm-hmm. But um, so I think a lot of people are under the impression that doctors do so much. The other thing that I really liked about Team Get Shit Done that you were saying is... Uh, Framing the way that you get orders from doctors. Mm -hmm. So very, very often, like I said, some of my doctors are a little younger or they're like R1s. So they know what they learned in school, but they haven't necessarily worked on a vascular floor. When I was new, I was like, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody everybody. feels like that. And doctors feel like that too. And I think everybody's like, oh, you're a doctor. You know everything tell me everything, tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. But that's not the way that hospitals work. I work alongside doctors. I work alongside physiotherapists, PSWs, everything. Like nobody works for me and I don't work for anybody. It's a team effort. It's, oh my God, it's such a team effort. And I do think my unit especially is amazing for that. But like for things like getting orders, 
like I said, the doctor rounds on the patient in the morning for two to five minutes, and then they're gone for the rest of the day. Sometimes they come back in an emergency or, like, if there's a special circumstance. But I have to talk to them on the phone and tell them what I'm seeing, what the issue is. So if I'm telling – they're going by my judgment, my nursing skills, my observations. So you'll frame something like, hey, this patient's in pain and doesn't have any painkillers ordered you perhaps want to order some you don't go hey my patient's in pain like Mm -hmm. you always I don't know I find myself always offering the solution and being like is that cool is that your idea maybe maybe you Mm. should tack this on or uh yeah like the occasional time I'll tell them what I want and then ask you know, like frame it like, yeah. I'm going to do this. Is I, that okay? I've heard yeah. I've heard my mom say that <laughs> yeah. too. Where they, cause, like I want to write the orders. Yeah, so. like you said, you're, the doctor has so many different patients and stuff. Yeah. And you're the one who's actually there yeah. seeing what's going on. And you, you know them a lot better most well, likely. Well, I'm there and, for 12 hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's probably a relationship for most part. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's probably just easier for them to go, yep, yep, go mm-hmm. ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's something, you know, uh, even in my profession, like my boss and I talk about is it's don't just come with a problem, come with a solution, a solution yeah. or suggestions. Yeah. And you're just like, can, can I right. pick A, B or C? Here's what I thought. And maybe they're yes. like, no, do D. Yeah. But like, at yeah. least you thought exactly. about the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny. Uh, I'm not I'm going to hit on millennials for a bit. And <laughs> okay. Younger That's good. kids. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have the same experience. I think experience. we're millennials, though, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Which, but like, we're the uh, kills upper me. class, I, I would, like to say. <laughs> upper class, okay. Yeah, the upper echelon. I know somebody told me that the other day, and I was baffled. Um, I didn't know But I find, especially hiring younger people, is they for sure do not do that. They just go, like, I can't find this. And I'm, and you're sure, like, I didn't, I'm sure I was the same way. I, I don't, don't remember being that way. You think but... it's something you learn more than rather than just have or pick up well maybe when we started or like people that are older than us i don't know how to find this tell me where to find it not just i don't know where to find this or how about okay so maybe a poor example but like a problem you encounter a problem if i don't know how to deal with it like ask yeah rather than give up you wouldn't come with like a suggestion you wouldn't come with like oh i wouldn't i learned this in school yeah even though i don't know if it's the same with nursing but we actually have an acronym for What's that? Or a mnemonic, whatever acronym. It's called SBAR. So S-bar. when you're talking to the doctor on the phone, you don't just like come out of nowhere, hey, like this happened. You say the situation, the background, your assessment, and your recommendation. So SBAR. Okay. And I think for some reason it's localized to like nursing textbooks, but it applies to literally everything in life. So this is the situation. The patient's bleeding. This is his background. He's on blood thinners. My assessment is he's bled a lot. My recommendation is we should stop the blood thinners. Get a band-aid. Right. Or like do this or that <laughs> transfuse, right? So it's really nice. I and we learned that in school and you find yourself doing it subconsciously all of the time. Which but maybe That's what in your for. in your example, like there's no recommendation there with the younger yeah. With younger nurses even too, because maybe they don't feel they're confident enough to make that recommendation. Maybe that's what it is. But I just know why that's a big problem and like people expect me to or like their superior just to solve the problem right or just tell me tell me what to do mm-hmm. i'll go do it which is great good attitude but like and that's good if you um like work in the military tell me what to do but not if you're like expected to do certain things mm-hmm. if you work at mcdonald's and you are taking orders it's good for somebody to tell you what to do if you're in a job where you have responsibility 
to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Try and do it yourself first before coming to me. So how much like responsibility, maybe not responsibility is not the right term, but like you have a patient in, in, in your care, in the hospital's mm-hmm. care. Out of like all the different roles, so like you said, so nurses, PSWs, uh, therapists, uh, chief surgeons, residents, like if it was into a pie of 100, I know it depends on the situation, but how much much does each Like a nurse, how much would a nurse be involved with that person's care, prognosis, diagnosis, whatever it is, but like how much are they really involved? So, because like you said, massively different from patient to patient. Of right. Course, I so, um, let's say a patient's totally independent and they're there to get the prostate out. They don't need a physiotherapist. But anyone on test, yeah, like removal. That's urology. Oh, yeah. So I was saying like vascular urology, ENT. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I totally. Nah, vascular is like what I see the most. Okay. Because urology patients are in and out generally a lot faster, unless they have, let's say, bladder cancer or something. Mm-hmm. Um. But then somebody who's a vascular patient who has an amputation, like like physio might be their main issue is getting up and moving again mm-hmm. until you can get them to a rehab facility. Of course, yeah. So from patient to patient, vastly different. Um, but I do work on a surgery floor, so doctors are, are quite involved at the beginning. Near the end, like I'm using them for orders. They're rounding to make sure people are fine. But they're not if, – if the patient's – uh, progressing properly like they're not doing a whole lot mm-hmm. nor towards the end we're doing all the dressing changes like I think a lot of people think doctors do more day-to-day stuff do the dirty stuff yeah no like they will if uh let's say the wound looks really bad and they need to come clean it out but I'm the one that tells them the wound looks really bad and needs to be cleaned yeah. out like I think um I think nurses are kind of uh the patient's well, I don't think this, this is in all the textbooks and everything. You're their line of defense. So you're going to advocate for them to doctors. You're you're going to be the one that consults physio. You're going to be the one that consults a dietitian if they need it, social work, whatever they mm-hmm. need to get out. You're going to be the one that calls their family if they need their family to come in, um, which is probably one of the biggest therapies in the world is having visitors. I think it's very underrated. Um, and people don't really realize how much people need their loved ones when mm-hmm. they're in the hospital. Because I can be as loving, as caring as I want. But, yeah, I have six other patients, and it might seem like I'm ignoring you. Mm-hmm. And I might have to be ignoring you. So if you have somebody that can be there for 10 minutes like a, a day, I think it makes a big difference. So if you can go out <laughs> and see someone you know in the hospital, do it. Highly recommend. Bring Highly them recommend. food because they're going to complain about the food. Are you allowed to bring food in? Yes. I know. Everybody. So <laughs> You need like a checklist of like the do's and don'ts. Okay. I can give you a checklist. Yeah. Give me some okay. do's and don'ts. Okay. Well, I mean, don't be a jerk to me, obviously. Okay. <laughs> don't expect that you're going to see the doctor when you show up and that the doctor is going to be on the floor. Huge common misconception is that there's a doctor around. And it's not that I'm being a jerk and, like, don't want to call the doctor into your room or saying he's too busy. Like, he's liter- he or she is literally not around. They're probably in surgery scrubbed or they're in the clinic or they're post-call, so they're at home sleeping. But there's, like, 20 doctors and none of them are on the floor at any given time. And if they are, it's 
they're there for one specific reason. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to get FaceTime with the doctor. So don't expect that you're going to. And another, so a do is if you, if I tell you like, okay, the doctor's going to come up and see you, have a list of stuff you want to, because everybody has, I think we're all like guilty of it. When you see somebody, you, you wanted to talk to them about something and then they leave and you're like, crap, I forgot to ask them this thing. Mm-hmm. Have a list of stuff you want to ask them um, and, and utilize your time the best. Mm-hmm. Um, do bring food. Uh, I think it's uh, um, really comical, actually. So people get calls after they leave the hospital, um, you know, give us compliments, give us complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the complaint section, 95% of the stuff is um, that they didn't think it was very clean and that they the food was bad. And it's like... Ninety percent of them is that the food is bad, and it's, it's a running joke. Everybody like peach, knows. Yeah, they don't like the peach cuts. Well, and it's funny because um, our CEO Jack Kitts like ate the food for a week as kind of this like I don't know experiment. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And they came back and had like better food after that <laughs> week. Like they invested in some better food. Um, now I'm getting this secondhand, and some people that were there before and after the move, but it's still not homemade food. Every single unit has, well, I mean, maybe not the ICU, but they're probably not eating food in the ICU. So every single unit has a patient and family fridge that has, like, drinks, Uh snacks, tea, coffee, an ice machine, whatever. There's a whole kitchen. Um, You put your name on your food, you put it in the fridge. And then if you don't like your meal, because I think a lot of people decide they don't like it before they eat it as well, go get that food or I can heat it up for you, like whatever it is. So I, I would say it's such a small thing, but like visiting is not a small thing. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Visiting and bringing food is like s- such a big do for people in the hospital. It's the smallest comfort and it could mean the most. Like mm-hmm. if that's what puts you in a bad mood and that's why you don't want to get up and go for a walk today because you're hungry because you didn't like the food, that could literally change your day, what you do, how you progress, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, we all know food is nutrition, is how you heal. So bringing stuff from home, yeah, like bringing family, bringing love, and then um, donating money. <laughs> and I know that sounds like pandering, but I think also everybody knows, like budget cuts and all the things. Healthcare is cut massively, so it might not be that a, a whole lot of nurses lost their jobs this year but a bunch of physiotherapists and social workers were cut. So Mm. our physiotherapists and social workers are working three times, four times, five times more. Like they have a huge patient load. Well, then obviously not all of those people are going to get seen and that's going to fall on the nurse Mm -hmm. or the patient or the patient's not going to get something. Like donating money, donating your time is so valuable. So that's another thing about visiting is like if the patient needs somebody to walk with them, and I don't have time, you can walk with them. Yeah. And, like, you can help them get to the bathroom so they don't not make it there. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I think visiting is probably number one. Mm-hmm. Number one to do. I got two things here. Okay. So first, because as I listen to you describe some of these, uh, like, scenarios or stories or recommendations, whatever, I get the feeling that sometimes people can be a little bit childish when they go into the hospital you can be a full-fledged adult and then all of a sudden the lose the head. Yeah. All, all humanity and act like a child mm-hmm. like is that is that oh common? my god yes and 
Why do you think that uh, is? There's so many good examples. Like, I well, think I think they're scared. And okay, I mean, if you've ever been in the hospital, I don't know if you have. I've been there for like, I went to the merge for like 12 hours one time. Like, I was so scared. I was kind of wishing my family was there, but on the other side, I didn't. And and uh, there's people coming at you. Um, one of the things that were were I don't I wouldn't go so far as to say mandated to do at the auto hospital, but it's a big initiative is. Um, Oh, I don't know what they call it, but it's introducing yourself. Oh, hello, my name is, is the name of the initiative. So, mm. like, let's say you're sitting there, you're scared, you don't know what's going on. Is anyone going to fix me? And this person walks in and starts poking and prodding you and being like, hey, we're going here, we're doing that. That's terrifying. So, yeah, you'd revert back to kind of being scared. And when you're scared, you may not act like yourself. Mm-hmm. So we have a thing called hello, my I walk in. I say, hello, my name is Casey. I'm this. This is what I'm doing. And I think that should go for anything in life. You don't just walk up to people and start doing something. So why should you walk up to a patient and just start doing mm-hmm. something? Um, so I, th- I think maybe that's one of it. One side of it is scared. You're in an unknown place. Obviously, most of the people in hospital are elderly. So maybe they're waking up and they genuinely, you know, when you wake up and you don't know where you are, imagine like you have a touch of dementia on that too. Yeah. Okay. You're waking up in a hospital. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you can't walk. You're freaking out. Like that's pretty scary. Um, there's some sad stories about, obviously we get mistreated a lot and mm-hmm. I don't want to undersell that. We really do like a lot, a lot, I've heard but some we also stories. get treated really like some of my patients are just say the kindest things and make you want to cry from mm-hmm. like the compliments and and I'm not saying that a lot of family members members don't help yesterday I had a, a three of like the most helpful patient family members in the world but um yeah we like we do get mistreated a lot but also sometimes it's just straight up delirium so okay. delirium is when you have like an induced confusion so you have an infection in your leg or whatever may be the case um so I actually had this patient, we had to, like, she was really violent. She was shouting profanities. Yeah. This is a funny story, don't worry. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> she's, hilarious. like, being really, really aggressive and offensive and awful and, like, swinging at us when we try and do anything. And she's an older lady. And we just assume, okay, she's a jerk. Like, all right, we're all kind of thinking to ourselves, like, great, only go in there if you absolutely have to, which that sounds awful, but when you're being mistreated, do you want to go – walk back up to your abuser so um another do for your list is like being nice helps to the doctors if you're being nasty like nobody's gonna want to come in and see you we have to so we will but nobody's gonna go other way to do the extra little stuff and that sounds horrible but it's life right that's the human condition and i think very select people are going to be super super nice to like the person that's treating them horribly anyways this lady all of a sudden, like, her family comes in from Toronto, and there's, like, ten of them, and they're all fawning over her, and we're like, geez, how is this nightmare of a woman having so many family members visiting? And they're all, like, fawning over her, um, like, cooing and awing and whatever. So they know she's confused, so they're kind of, whatever, like, ignoring it because they know that's not her baseline. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't know that wasn't her baseline. So they are decorating her room, and they put up all these beautiful pictures of her wedding. And another do, I think it sounds so silly, but like bringing in mementos for people, a picture of you and your family 
goes a long way and it helps me to see the patient as a person and not my patient that's sitting there in a hospital gown mm-hmm. that also sounds horrible i realize but well for you it's a it's a job right oh, like you're just so trying hard. to go through the motions yeah. and think of it when yeah and sometimes you lose sight that night like this is a person with a story right and, and, and what brought you in here yeah, yeah. so I, that, that I try and difficult. do that and it's really hard like if you're having a crazy busy day to chat with your patient of course chatting with your patient is the best way i find to get them on your side to get them to comply to stuff and to like care more and like to do your job better so chatting even when you're in the midst of like doing their blood pressure like hey where are you from i ask people where they're from all the time and anyway so this woman so they decorated her whole room it was really nice seeing her you're like oh my god look at how beautiful she was when she got married or look at her beautiful kids she came back from surgery and she was the sweetest woman in the history of the world but she remembered everything from when Mm. she was delirious so every time she saw people she'd be like oh my god i'm pretty sure i tried to bite you like all this stuff like just hilarious it's crazy and and it was night and day but it wasn't her and i think a lot of times we see people in the hospital we don't see them as they are as themselves and Mm -hmm. i can totally understand that so it's hard at the time like i don't want to go in their room and be treated poorly but then on the day they're leaving they're super nice or something you know interesting yeah uh second thing i wanted to touch on uh cuts so you Mm -hmm. hear a lot about the cuts that happen in um or maybe actually i don't think we hear enough about the cuts that happen in our healthcare system but i think the big thing um that's always in the news especially what's going on in the united states is the differences between our healthcare systems um where you know of course a broken arm can net you 60 grand in the drain in the states when here it's 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 free Mm -hmm. um but of course, what I don't think a lot of Americans understand, I, I think Jim, I didn't hear the rant. But Did Jim, you see it? I, I saw he ranted I about something. Say, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously our health system is flawed in its own way as well. Yeah. Uh, like I mean. You know more yeah. than I do, but like from what I hear is like long wait times. I know, but I don't, I, I don't think, I think people don't understand. There's wait times in the States too. Unless you want to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Like. Who has that money? Yeah, I know. Well, I, I would honestly, <laughs> yeah. I'm not advocating for that. Mm-hmm. I'm totally like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, if I have to wait for six months, but it's free yeah. and not a hundred grand. <laughs> yeah. Totally cool. I'll wait for six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what, like, where do you? I know you touched on the the social workers and mm-hmm. the like that puts more of a burden on the, the nurses. Yeah, like, do you right. see that? Like, you've been a nurse now for what five or six, four, four years, four and a half. So yeah. I'm sure there's never any like added like hey we're giving you more money it's usually taking away so where do you see that mostly and do you think patients perhaps um sacrifice care because of those cuts yes unfortunately yes um anytime there's cuts in healthcare, everyone thinks they might they're saving money here like who do you think's paying for that it's always the patient always always maybe i'm not making a million dollars a year and I think I should be like it's the patient that mm-hmm. makes so I would say where I see the cut so um, I work at an acute care hospital so they cut my hospital last my mom works um, at a small hospital in Smith Falls so I would say she sees cuts more maybe like doctors aren't going there because they're not getting paid more um, they're not getting the new tech that like the cities are getting um, and 
the biggest thing in all around is they try not to hire full-time nurses. Mm. So you're getting a lot of part-time because they don't want to pay benefits. Um, And that results in maybe like understaffed units and um, not replacing that nurse that called in sick. Um, Because if you're part-time, I think there's a little bit maybe less loyalty and Mm -hmm. uh, less obligation. But um, the biggest thing is, is um, I guess technology, like probably uh, things could be advanced quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an ideal world, my ratios are different than uh, other hospitals and other units because I'm on acute care floor. But let's say, for example, in my case, I have four patients on days and six on nights. In an ideal world, I would have three on days and four or five on nights, depending on their acuity. And it sounds like not a big difference, but it's a huge difference when someone goes south and someone's crashing. And I have three other patients that I'm in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like I have to get this and that for that patient and I don't have time. And now I'm not getting my lunch and like now I'm not doing this and now I'm working whatever. So if you had an extra nurse, which like nobody, no healthcare cuts are going to allow for that, mm-hmm. uh, the nurses, the patients would be getting wildly better care. And we see when patients come from the recovery room and when they come from ICU, they're like, I was ringing my bell for five, 10 minutes. Like what took you so long to get here? And you're like, well, they have one patient there or two patients there. I have six tonight. Or if my colleagues on break, I have, I'm covering their patients. I have 12, I have 12 patients right now. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to wait 10 minutes for your bell. Yeah. So there's a lot of sacrifice on behalf of the the workers too. Yes. The, but this is a thing I always talk about with just businesses and, and government and money is I know the argument is like, well, if you don't like that job, you can leave. I, I understand that argument. Fine. <laughs> yes. That's the, that's, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the rub. But like in the pursuit of money and greed, we lose fact on the actual humanity factor oh God, of, yeah. of jobs. And especially a job like a nurse or a first responder or someone in the military, people who are literally in ways putting their lives on the line who have to sacrifice uh you know lunches like their right. own personal yeah. well-being going pee. yeah like, yeah right pee. Like, the biggest bladder your, ever <laughs> your own health safety and personal right. well-being and mental and su- health yeah oh in support God. of others yes to help others which is a very noble thing for everyone to do but there's there's certain people i know and and a less intense industry where I'm like, how are you going to, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you help other people? And I, I really fear that 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 is going to become more of a problem than it is now. Oh, for sure. Um, So the burnout rate for nurses, I don't, I don't like, I don't know the exact number, but it's higher and higher every year. It's dramatic. Like, um, nurses used to work into, there's some nurses in the States that work in private that are in their seventies. Yeah. They've done it their whole life. Yeah. But, I, you see it more and more where nurses are leaving to go to desk jobs. And so nursing is so wide a range. I could go from my unit to another unit and be doing a totally different job. You can have desk nursing, mental health nursing, criminal justice nursing, um, every type in the hospital, community nursing. Like there's so many different options and you see people burning out of their unit much faster now. On my unit alone, I've been working there for four and a half years, which in the scheme of things is nothing. I'm like mid-level seniority on my unit. Like I'm pretty high up on the in on four the, years, on the yeah. totem pole. In four years, that's wild. Yeah. And like 
on my mom's unit, for example, she's been working there for 32 years or something like that. And like, so have half of our colleagues. Yeah. It's like the burnout rate in, in newer, I think people don't really maybe know what they're getting into. I think that's a big thing. Like people are yeah. like, oh, a nurse, I, I love helping people. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, holy I, shit. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it takes um, a special person to be able to do this for their life, really. I think it like touched on what you said, like take care of yourself too. You, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of your patients. If you had a crappy night's sleep and now you're coming in, like your patients mean to you, maybe you'll snap back at them. That's not professional. That's not appropriate. Or, yeah. or there's no way that you're multitasking all your stuff as well because our job is just full-on multitasking all the time perhaps your thinking or your yeah. problem solving might be impaired because you're like oh i'm just tired and you're like oh yeah. was it 42 pills or right 50 yeah like, that's a big issue yeah. for sure and like i've always have wondered med that mistakes. i've that's always terrifying. wondered that about um especially surgeons and stuff like right you hear like the do. stories where they like you know they're up for twenty four hours. Yes. I'm like I don't want someone no, oh my operating God, I on know. me. That sounds life, crazy. Yeah, like life. But it happens all the time. Like so the way the way a surgeon's um, schedule works is like they work. It's oh my god, it's so wild. So it's different when you're a staff. So I I don't know the exact mechanics of it, but you're a med student and then you do a residency mm -hmm. and then you do a fellowship and then you do a staff. So once you're staff, you're like set, you're the one that's making all the big bucks. But until then you make less than I do as a nurse. So I think people also glamorize like residency. Like they don't make that much money. Mm -hmm. um, and they're also doing exams and tests and stuff all the time, but they will work all day. So they come in at like 6am sometimes sooner if there's some stuff going on. So six to 7am they work until like 6 p.m. doing surgeries, coming to the unit, doing clinic, whatever it may be. If they're on, if they're not on call, they go home, they do it all again. But that's a 12-hour day, mm -hmm. like five days a week minimum. Yeah. Then that's... if you're on call, you stay there until the next morning and then you sometimes, sometimes they go home, but a lot of the times they don't go home. So you might be on call like Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Let's say it's it's different, like it's mm -hmm. the same as scheduling any other job. Um, so like they'll be there tw 24 straight hours and then more if they stay later. And then overnight, if they get called, like they have to come in, they're the only one. So during the day, they might have 10 patients, let's say on their caseload. But when you go home, you have all the doctor's patients. So they have like 36, let's say, or more. So it's like it's wild. I don't know how they do that. I think. People are always worried about nurses that work nights. Yeah. As they should. Like any night shift worker on average lives seven years less than, yeah, than, yeah. The, than day shift work, workers. Um, yeah. I think some like Health Canada thing came out last yeah. year and we all freaked out. And because we're all like, yeah, that's great. That's what I do for a living. But um, at least we have those days off. Like they don't have these days off. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how they do it because I can be a zombie. I can still get through my job. Getting through a surgery when you're a zombie and maybe you're in surgery for eight hours. You're not leaving to eat. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people don't eat. Like That, that is not good. It's not good for you. <laughs> We're the masters on in the like in nursing. We're masters of like bringing quick meals. Like you can't always sit down to eat. So you're like, yeah. I need something that will pack up well, like typical like snack foods, mm -hmm. which is also pretty unhealthy. But it doesn't have to be, obviously. Everybody, there's ways to make it healthy. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. It's wild. Yeah, it's uh, you. the system asks an awful lot. 
uh, of you know people of your profession and like I said first responders like, any healthcare yeah yeah like you you're really asking people to give their lives well-being <laughs> personal right. happiness in order to do the greater good sure. um, which is very admirable and I love it I like that kudos to everybody but also like you said before it is what we signed up for yeah um, <laughs> is there like concern of like uh, you know you mentioned it slightly, but like the mental health, like, is there a concern about doctor or nurse, like suicide rates or anything? Cause that's not oh, a stat yeah. you really hear. I don't uh, know the stat, but I, so like I was talking about burnout before. Yeah. Obviously I would say that has something to do with mental health. Um, I know a ton of nurses who have taken stress leave at one point right, or another. Right. Um, I don't know anyone personally who has, but there's a lot of physical, like, leaves as well like people get their back hurt okay people leave so if you break your arm like you can still come to work mm -hmm. i can't work and so they have programs that will get you back so you can work because you can't be out of work if you're full-time you're entitled to your job so let's say you break your arm you come back but somebody has to do the physical labor for you so they will buddy you with a psw and then they'll buddy you with or they'll buddy you with a fellow nurse for, at first, and then a PSW or whatever. Um, as far as mental health, like I, I, I couldn't tell you statistics yeah. about depression but rates I guess or anything like, like that. But I would imagine general it's quite chatter. High. Like I don't know. Like I don't know if well, anyone I mean, talks about it or if you hear stories or if you. Right. Like, yeah, for sure, because uh, nurses are pretty notorious for um, like getting together and not being able to talk about anything else but nursing yeah, okay. and like what happened that day. And I have quite a few friends that uh, I try and like mix together my friend groups and it's, it's really bad. Like I try so hard not to talk about what happened at work the day or who did this or that, or remember this funny story mm -hmm. or that depressing story or whatever it may be, because the best way to decompress for us is to talk about it. And uh, I okay. think that's yeah, yeah, the same yeah. with anything. So we just like, when we go into the break room, it's just a therapy session, but a lot of it's jokes. And that's how I, I'm sure you've noticed anyone, you know, as a nurse has like the most disturbing sense yeah, of humor and dark. like really dark. And you're like laughing about this horrible thing that happened or like you say stuff and you're like, Oh my God, that was so uncompassionate. Like, did that just come out of my mouth? Like, it's like a coping mechanism. It's such almost. a coping mechanism. And, and it, it's not conscious decision to do that, but it just, like, the most youthful nurses are there on my unit for a year, and then you see them and you hear them talking in this really sarcastic, dry, dark humor, You've and you're like, it. oh, you, you're a nurse <laughs> yeah. now. Like you, you're turned. Okay. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's word. So, like, would you... Do you define yourself as a person a lot by of your career like I do yeah um I don't I don't know if I always bring it outside of work but it is it is a calling not a job I, or whatever that distinction is you know mm -hmm. like it's it's very much something that you don't you don't take on lightly and I hear people ask me like what do you think about nursing do you think I should go into nursing and I'm like I think you really need to think about it and maybe do a placement. Like I did a co-op in high school in a hospital and that really helped me decide that I wanted to do this. Or if you know somebody that does it, there can be all different types of personalities. But in the end, like you, you do define yourself as a nurse because it changes who you are. Mm -hmm. And like maybe you were always that person and now you're bringing it into your profession and that's great. 
but you know how um like there's always that friend in the group that's like the mom mm -hmm. and like make sure everyone gets home okay or has somewhere to sleep or has somewhere to stay like it's always the nurse too yeah. you always like, make me text like i'm always you. the mom yeah yeah <laughs> did you get now? home okay yeah 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 <laughs> Fine, mom. Like, yeah, I know. And that's always like, it's a running joke, right? That people do that. And so natural. Yeah, very like, much. I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Subconsciously, thing. for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you have a piece of paper here. Yeah. And I noticed one of the things on there says pay gap. Okay. Uh, just so everyone knows, like, I was really nervous to do this interview because I'm a huge it's fan of interview. Ryan. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. We're talking. I'm a big fan of Ryan's podcast, and that sounds. Like, I'm just complimenting you because I'm looking at you, but one I of, listen to every single one, one right one when person. they come on. I subscribe. I listen right away. I pause whatever other podcast I'm listening to. <laughs> I've really enjoyed all of them so far, and I've really, like, enjoyed it. So when he <laughs> asked me to do this, or I asked him, whatever, um, I got really nervous, so I wrote down some things. And pay gap is one of them, I think. People think I get paid more than I do. Um. So that's what you meant by the pay gap. You're yeah. not talking about the general... Well, I think it has something to do with a f being a female-dominated profession. So a few years ago, okay. like case in point, a few years ago, a bunch of unions were trying to get a raise for different professions. This is like not the exact numbers, but policemen and firefighters got an 8% raise. They asked... We all asked for like 10, let's say. Mm -hmm. Policemen and firefighters got an 8% raise. At that exact same time, nurses got a 4% raise. Okay. How is that not like black and white facts? What are the male-dominated professions are now getting double the raise that we're getting? I'm sure there's a million factors that went into that decision, but that seems to be the trend. It's not It's not a one-time th thing that, mm -hmm. that's happened. Um, so pay gap, I think... It, it's not like my male colleagues make more than me, but male-dominated professions definitely do. And then also, I find male nurses, which they hate being called that because they're, they're just nurses, but for the sake of this mm -hmm. little sentence, male nurses tend to go on to bigger things. So if you see, like, professors... Um, People, nurses that become CEOs of hospitals, nurses that become nurse managers, like a lot of them are male. Hmm. And you see more males in, uh, I don't know, like the nursing jobs that pay more, basically. And that could be just a gender thing. Like maybe those jobs are uh, more ambitious, more whatever, whatever it may be. I don't know gender roles. I don't want to yeah. like, get into all that because everybody's totally different. But uh, I think in terms of pay gap, like it's more that because it's a female dominated profession, which is, is slowly changing. Like right now I had a student group in yesterday and three out of seven of them were men, which was really encouraging to see. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Like patients really enjoy male nurses. I like working with not only women. Mm -hmm. I used to work with all guys and then I went to work with mostly all girls. It's very different, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, gender gender in nursing is, is pretty hard because it's always been that way. So it's that, changing now. That's one of the classic it's cases like, where yeah. it's always been. It's always been nurses. And I think that's yeah. also back to way back when we were talking about the hierarchical thing where, like, doctors were men. 
and nurses were women, and that's why everyone always assumed doctors tell nurses what to do because men tell women what to do. But now, so there's like this really weird shift happening. Uh, Last year or the year before, um, people that were applying to med school uh, used to be obviously mostly men. Now, last year, it was 64% of people that got into med school were women, which is pretty dramatic flip. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool, pretty interesting dynamic. I've definitely seen it in practice where, like, a lot of the younger nurses or younger doctors are are female. Um, And then in nursing, it's much less significant than that. But I think I had seven guys in my nursing class, and now it's more like 25% rather than 10% or something like that. So it's really starting like to ramp up in the last little bit. Yeah, which is, is, bit. is nice to see, like, a mix. It's it's really nice to see a mix. And there was uh, some poll or something that came out. Um, you know how they do those every year, like, uh, um, satisfaction surveys of different jobs, so or trustworthy mm-hmm. jobs. So they rank, like, who's the most... So, like, firefighters are number one most trustworthy job, I think, 85 years running, let's say. Um, and so there was a really interesting thing where like doctors were not that high up on the list or sorry, doctors were pretty high up on the list and now they're not as high and nurses mm. were not as high up on the list and now they're higher. And there's all these conspiracy theories being like, is it because there's no more female doctors? That's why they're lower on the trustworthy list. And there's male nurses and that's why they're higher. So like gender and healthcare is like this whole thing. I don't see it day to day. I don't see it make a big difference. Like very rarely does a patient comment on the fact that my colleague's a male nurse, but very commonly do they assume he's a doctor. Like just assume. If he didn't walk in being like, I'm your nurse. Yeah. Like one time at like 2 p.m., a buddy, like my, uh, someone I work with 100% of the time, so I um, has the same line as me. At like 2 p.m., he was like, is my nurse ever going to come in here, the patient? Is my nurse ever going to come in here? Like, why are you doing all of this? He's like, what are you talking about? I am your nurse. He thought it was a doctor the whole time, the patient. <laughs> like, thought the doctor was just, like, doing his dressings, helping him to the bathroom, like, giving this his This is pills. the greatest doctor yeah, ever. Yeah, like, he's really keen. And uh, and I also see it with um, female, female doctors will go in, talk to the patient in the morning, and leave. And the patient will say something about, like, is the doctor ever coming by? Are they ever going to come see me? And I'll be, what? Yeah. Like, I watched them leave your room. Oh, it was a lady doctor. Mm. Oh. Now, like, are these people typically older? Yes. Like, oh boomers? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, this is exclusively with, like, the older yeah, population. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. Like, we, like we said, like, that. Uh, that's just something that's since World War II, I, right? Like, it was. It was common. Yeah. Women were all, like, that. Oh. I want to say almost exclusively at one point. It was just all women mm-hmm. nurses and like oh, I would never say would exclusively. be a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I don't have stats on that. No, but... no, no. Back when, yeah. Florence Nightingale days, it was it was exclusively yeah. female nurses. Um, I, mean, I mean, I think it's great. We're seeing that now Change. in a lot of areas. Um, I know there's certain professions that definitely have seen more growth than others. I mean, like high tech, uh, sports, and business. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, yeah. yeah. Women are still pretty the forefront, yeah. lower uh, in terms of men. And I, I don't know. I feel like no matter who you are, you can do any any job. Certainly. 
just as well. You might like, not have been groomed as much to like through society to do it though. I yeah. think is the general consensus. It's, it's so interesting though. So I always go back to um, my two little sisters. So we have always been a male-dominated household with okay. all boys until my sister Caitlin. Right. Like, you don't even have to tell her she's going to play with dolls. She's going to want to dress in dresses. Okay. She wants to watch Barbie. And, like, there was never anything done or given to her like because Like, your parents didn't tell her to do that. Is no. Is that what like, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, if sports are on, she's like, no. I want to watch Princess. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert in the field, so I never know. Yeah. But, like, I truly somehow believe that like there is something etched in our in our biology that tendency wise generality wise that males lean one way more and females lean another way more more, like i said as a tendency nothing is ever set in stone black and white i I agree i think um that i think women are more prone to want to be nurses because they want to help also for sure and it's uh it's hard to say that like you said, it's not black and white. It's not for sure. Nothing's ever Nothing, black and no. white. Um, I definitely, uh, I think he would probably hate, he won't listen to this anyways, but my little brother I think would be the best nurse ever. I don't know why. I just like have this vibe that he would be so good at it. I think he would really thrive. Not that he's like particularly like super caring. Yeah. <laughs> not that he's not caring, but you know what I mean? Like he, I just think he would really thrive in the industry, but he like scoffed at the idea. He would never consider it. And I think if you told a girl she would be a good nurse, she would never scoff at that idea. But telling a guy he yeah. would be good, it, just because it, it, it is considered a girl job. Yeah, it's there's the same as definitely like, still the perception for a lot of guys that that is like, a girly I would job not be a do, nurse. Or the assumption that because you're a male nurse, you're gay. Like that's, that. I mean, when I was in school, that was the case for most of the male nurses that were there. But now not the, I wouldn't say that's the majority of the case. Um, but also it was conceived as a feminine job. Yeah. So who's leaning towards those jobs are females and gay men. So now I would say that's not the case. And I like, I like that it's mixing. Like I like how gender roles are happening these days, how it's not expected for you to like princesses. And Mm -hmm. like you were saying, like all that inherent stuff, I think it's not beat into children as much as it it was. No, yeah, definitely not. And not, I, I mean, in your family, maybe it was different, but it, in mine, like, at my mom's baby shower, like, I got pink dresses. Or, what you know, people didn't buy me action figures. They bought me princesses. Yeah. I mean, and that's not, definitely not that they were trying happens. to, like, beat it into me. It's just totally... What everyone uh, did. What you do. Like, so, I don't know. I think that's changing and I like <clears throat> it and things are becoming more neutral and... Yeah, I'm definitely... I love it. I'm definitely in favor of... the Like, I've always believed just, like, let whoever do what they want to do. Yeah. So, if a guy wants... A little boy wants to wear a dress, like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Go ahead. You want to do that. Which is fantastic. What I don't like and I have issues with is when people... So, like, the parents kind of guide them down that way if that makes sense or yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so Lean i know there's like a big thing right now um and i i listen to both sides of the argument because like i really have no i'd have no clue but like 
children that want to say like uh, like a tomboy, for instance, right? Yeah. You were you were just I a, was tom- a tomboy. Yep. You're just a tomboy. <laughs> but in some cases now, it's like, oh, she's a lesbian or wants to be oh a boy, God. and then they for put sure. them on like hormones and starts talking about transition, right. right? And then that's all of a sudden that's all the kid knows. I don't even think that's just. Like now, maybe the the whole transitioning thing is new. I was a tomboy. I think I'm being a tomboy is nothing new. No, absolutely God, not. No. no, that's no, no. I loved sports, and even nowadays, not that I'm like I'm I'm not big into sports or anything, but I like wearing boys basketball shorts yeah. and like I'm comfortable. Yeah, not dressing up and putting makeup on and doing my hair. Yeah, obviously I do those things because I also like to look pretty or like yeah, fit in. And like, I think we should also move away from the term tomboy eventually. But what I'm saying is, is like, it, in some cases now you see it with um, society and the more accepting that yeah. some very uh, progressive parents, like, so they're like, if they're a tomboy, they're automatically a lesbian. Con- like, but they kind of like, oh, she really likes guy stuff. She must want to be a boy. Right. So I like guy stuff. I don't you want to start be a guy. Ta- so that so, and like that, but that point. in some cases, in some parents, there are some stories mm-hmm. where people are pushing their kids through that and mm-hmm. like starting hormone therapy before the age Maybe of ten. Maybe too early. Yeah, yeah before yeah, yeah. the child actually makes it's the decision. So tough. And I, I have this know. point in everything. Uh, like my parents enlisted or enlisted, like <laughs> registered my siblings for a Catholic school. And I was really against that because I'm like, look, if they want to go to church and learn about that, that's fine. They've made that choice. I don't want people being brought up in a in a certain way or avenue or right. linear structure where it's like this is all they know or this is all they're taught or said. I like I really want them to to seek things out for themselves and learn. Yeah. I mean it's all it's with all kids, a tough you have to give a little push in yeah. Yeah. And it's, I went to Catholic school. Yeah. It's I, so hard for me when it's like, you don't tell someone else how to parent their kid. No. Totally. And I got that. Fine. But I'm just like, sometimes I see it. I'm like, ah. But a lot of people, I would say maybe accurately, um, maybe not so much in Canada as in the States, but just say basically Catholic school is cheap private school. So like, in a way. And my parents said it, a it's way. a much better education system the only than the thing, public one. The, literally, the only thing was different for me was I had to wear uniforms in high school which I loved because I had no sense of fashion and nor (laughs) did I want to pick out a different like clothing every day I loved it and yeah everybody modified their uniforms and everything but generally speaking we all looked pretty much the same Mm -hmm. um and then the that you had to take religion every year and if you're somebody who doesn't buy into that or was not raised with that in the home like, that's not touching you. It's just, like, something you have to do. It's, like, if you hate English, you have to take English every yeah. year. Too bad. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't think that's going to really, like, affect people too much. I, I as long as they're not, found, like, converting them or something. Yeah, at least in my hometown, the people who were in Catholic school were, by the time they reached their teens, were, like, more against Catholicism right. and religion than, like, someone who just, like me, who went to public school and never had and to deal with it. Like, I tried to learn about it. And I'm like, that, that, that. But, like, when it's brought into you and, like, it's in your face a lot, like, a lot of those people were, like, even more against it than yeah. I was, right? Yeah. No, I I would say my high school was very much full of those people. And that could probably. be a small town. It yeah, could be, I don't know what I it was. I think a mix. But, but uh, I think any time 
like a teenager is getting something drilled into their head that they didn't decide they like, they're going to be all angsty about it, right? Yeah. Like no matter what it is. In this case, it happened to be Catholicism. Don't tell me how to live my life, mom. Like <laughs> I think that's a big problem with the education system in general. In general. Right? Like mm-hmm. you're not engaging people. I know I wasn't really, unless I really loved the class, I wasn't engaged. I just uh, would yeah. zone out, not care, just try to get through yeah. it. Yeah. Me do homework? Yeah, no chance. Yeah. Like I was like that for math class. But it's like, we tell you this is what you need to know so you learn it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not fostering growth or creativity or um, helping people succeed in a, in a path that they might be better at. Like right. there are some people who are better with numbers. There are right. some people who are better at building shit or fixing stuff mm-hmm. or or being a nurse or talking on the radio. Yeah. Everyone has to kind of learn the same thing. And I get the the basics. Like there's certain things everyone uh, that you should, should know. know. And uh, like life classes I, I think um well that's always the common I remember argument. in high school like um home uh home home ec was like something that only this is gonna sound so terrible but like only like the dumb kids did i yeah. did home ec so let me preface with that i loved it <laughs> i did um and i was a huge nerd it was just and an i took credit. all the like huge nerd yeah. classes and everything but it was an easy credit but like in the scheme of things it wasn't a friggin' easy credit. That's your life. Like home ec actually yeah. mattered, and like um, anthro sociology psychology that class. I don't know if you had it. I took it. Yeah, it was I like ASP class. or something. Um, triology. Is that what, yeah? We call it triology. Yeah. So we had that, and like that class is the stuff maybe that like actually helped you in your future rather than knowing trig. Like I, yeah. I took all the hardcore math, hardcore like science things. I don't use them in my day to day. I could. I'm terrible at math now. I I can do like, the basics, the addition, subtraction, yeah. division. Like I'm Even good at that. Even then, I'm sh- not as sharp as I used to. I be. used to work with cash without an actual register yeah. where I could type in the change. Oh, okay. So I got really like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I just find as we have this uniform, and it's like this is the curriculum. Teach yeah. this. Like it's not like people aren't interested. And I think I, if you could choose more. Like, if there was more the choice, because um, you think about it, when you, you go want. to college or university, for the most part, people, if it's something they really want to do with their life, they're they're more engaged. I know in, oh, in class, sure. like in radio yeah. class, like I was like super like, let's do it. Because that's what you wanted. Yeah. 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 Whereas like people who just take like a sociology degree, degree yeah, yeah, yeah. like always drinking or something like yeah. whatever. But it's just we we lose being a child and and the creativity and the freedom of ex- exploration mm-hmm. and adventure and finding ourselves and our do. mind yeah and then just as you can tell it's very pessimistic like it's very like an- anti-structure of society view Screwed man yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just like i'm of the opinion yeah, yeah, yeah. our our civilization will collapse Oh, because we're reaching a point of no return in so many different areas. It's inevitable. We can't afford our bills, um, like government taxes, corruption, overpopulation, you like destruction of the environment. Though, because before any of that happens, we're all going to die from climate change anyway. So, Do you not believe yeah. in climate change, Casey? I said we're all going to die from oh, climate I thought change. You were being, that sounded very Oh, I was being facetious? No, yeah. no, no, no. I have that voice. <laughs> Well, that's what I mean. But like, no, no, no. I have to clarify to people all the time that, yeah, like, that my most sarcastic. common quote is probably that sounded sarcastic, but I meant it. Like, <laughs> I meant it. <laughs> no, no. I actually think we're all going to dive climate change, like, before our society breaks down and we all become cavemen again. Well, it could be that. Like, I'd, and, like, and it's coming from a small town, man, like, they have it made. If society breaks down, 
They can live. They're fine. They They're know how fine. to hunt. Like they've got basements. They've got like food yeah, everywhere. Like, I'm not catching anything. Like I'm. Yeah. I'm like I don't want to get a, my knees dirty. Yeah. There's something crazy. Like there's um a volcano, uh, Yellowstone. I want to say Jellystone, mm, but mm-hmm. that's Yogi the Bear. Yogi. Right? No. Yellowstone. I think I know what you're talking Anyways, about. Anyways, um. Mount St. Helen, maybe I'm, those are two different places. I could be wrong. Anyways, there's a volcano. I'm pretty sure it's Yellowstone, the thing that spits up. That is a super volcano that's supposed to erupt every 10,000 years or something crazy. Now's the time. Uh, It's due. And basically, what would happen would it would come up uh, and shoot ash in the cloud, it would devour all the United States and Canada from the explosion. And then. The environment would die out from the ash cloud. Right. And you saw it with the uh, forest fires, right. how it was in BC, but then Calgary oh, and oh Edmonton God, was like blacked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like times that by 10. All or, the vegetation oh, dies, the animal dies. And us as a society just thinks that food comes. Like there are people who actually truly believe that like food, it's not from an animal. Like it just well, appears it's on, on the magic. shelf. Yeah. I like know, they have no conception yeah, yeah. that this came from an animal. Someone oh, yeah. I think everybody should, like, take a trip out to the country or be raised in the country. Like, hallelujah, being raised in the country. And I was, and, like, I'm not a country boy by any stretch. I know you're more of a country girl. I would say I was raised in the—I would say I'm country girl at heart. Yeah. Who, like, has very much adapted to city life. But I'm a country girl. Yeah. But you've at least probably seen hunting or killing of animals and And harvesting the meat. We buy our meat too, but like all the meat I have in my freezer right now is from my cousin's farm. Like she raised it in her lawn, a farm, but it's like right next to her front door. She watched this animal. She probably named it and that might sound horrifying to people, (laughs) but it's not. It means it was like raised really, really by all the organic standards. But I think what people don't understand is getting that organic stamp is expensive so some like uh grass-fed whole whatever whatever nonsense um farms like won't pay for it to be li- to be certified organic certified organic store. yeah um and she she is and i don't know that she labels it that way but all the stuff in my freezer right now is from my cousins so like love country yeah and there's and that's a whole other issue of veganism and being against meat and mm-hmm. i think the problem is is just like we've lost our touch and re- and relationship with with everything with our food with humanity oh, with we you can relate this to the nursing right oh, like God. everything is just so manufactured and and structured and like it just with social media and losing like face-to-face con- mm-hmm. like we're just becoming this generation of yep basically robots for lack of a better term where we're just there's there's no more compassion in our lives just the humanity is just becoming like right. just ceased to existing which probably why they keep cutting health care well yeah but we don't need that like whatever yeah, yeah no one thinks you need health care you don't want to spend money on health care until yeah, you're the one who needs health care yeah and then it's right like oh all my these, God, it's outrageous that's a whole other yeah. quick rant here and all the boomers who call us entitled uh, as millennials mm-hmm. like all right well who are the people who didn't save for retirement and are trying to rely off cpp and sucking up all our health care dollars <laughs> because y'all smoked drank and didn't exercise properly yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> on you boomers um 
I know that Tell you, me what you really think. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. a lot of opinions and a lot of podcasts to get that, through. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's why you're that's why you're having a podcast. It's a perfect combo. Because I need to figure this all you out. You need a vent, man. Um one thing I want to talk about yes. here, because I know you you advocate for it quite a bit. Okay. Is donating blood. I and I'm sure you do that and I will let you get into it. Um, I'm sure you do that because working in vascular specifically, I'm sure you okay. see a lot of transfusions and people who need blood. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I think it's very important. And uh, funny enough, as we record this podcast, um, the Humboldt game is uh, yeah. is on right now. It's and currently right this second, eh? Yeah. Um, if anything good came from that tragedy, it was shedding oh, to light for people. Donations and... Yeah, for blood donation mm-hmm. and for organ donation. Yes. And I know tragedy, unfortunately, always does that. Right. I, I know I saw things on uh, 9-11 yesterday where people were lined up in uh, Seattle. It was the organ Lining of Seattle to, to donate. donate blood so you right. can get sent to yeah. New York. So, I mean, it's super important mm-hmm. to, to do, donate blood. So, I yeah. So, I think... Um, you said donate. I think donating blood is very important, but I think donating organs, I think a lot of people don't because they don't real like they just don't know how. So it's so easy. It was so easy. I did that literally when with your the license clum comes. There's a little piece of paper that comes with it that says like keep this in your wallet. Do you want to donate your organs? And if so, like what are the uh, parameters to that? Like yeah. you want to donate everything but your eyes because a lot of people have a thing with eyes, but. Donating organs, I'm a big fan of, but that's not really something that comes up in social media. Well, just to say, like, uh, with the the humble tragedy and the oh, the story God. that um, yeah. kid of one of the victims donated his organs, right? And it How caused a huge surge. Yeah. So I literally just like I think it's Ontario just not organ in donation. The media is much. No, and it it just it came up. I was like filled out a form is like you're now an yeah. organ donor and like i looked at it as and i know people are weird but i was like i'm i'm dead i'm gone oh my god I i'm know. not coming back like, and like f- there's a good chance that none of my organs will be able to be donated like if i die when i'm 80 years old nobody's yeah, taking my liver lord knows it's not going to be in any shape but like <laughs> you know my, my skin like people underestimate like burn victims like crash victims Anything like people who are born with um, like certain disabilities and stuff, whatever it may be, like skin is so minor. What are you going to do with your leg skin in your coffin? Like if you're worried about that, don't get me wrong. There's certain um, religions and everything that are really like I'm not detracting from you. I'm not expecting you to do it. But a lot of people are not Muslim and have to be or Jewish and have to be buried altogether. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these people that are not donating just don't know how, I think, yeah, that's a huge or just thing, have yeah. never done it, or just, just haven't bothered. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy; you just sign something. Like it's it took five minutes. It literally takes five minutes, and maybe you keep long. something in your wallet. Like I just I found it the other that, day. But no, this is I signed up to donate when I was like sixteen. So, mm. um, but donating blood, I am a big proponent. I'm a big advocate for. Obviously, like you said, I see it every day. Somebody's getting a don- uh, um, infusion. I, I had a patient a little while ago who I had donated on the Monday. On the Wednesday, he went south, um, wasn't doing very well. Anyways, uh, he got a whole bunch of blood, and he was the same blood type as me. And then something fun that um, Canadian Blood Services does is like 
sends you a little text or a little notification on the app being like, your blood was used. Oh, wow. And they don't always do it, or sometimes I'm sure it's just they say that, but maybe yeah. it, like it wasn't. I don't know if it's just a gimmick or if it's for real. But uh, I jokingly, when I got him back being healthy again, said like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And when he left, he like made this huge show of thanking me for saving his life as a nurse and as a blood donor. He's mm. like, obviously, I know that probably wasn't your blood, but mm-hmm. it was really cool. And it was really fun to see it in that context. Um, I think it does a lot for the people that donate as much as like for the first little while, uh, I was really exhausted after donating. It really took a lot out of me. I know it's generally it's more trouble on women. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, biologically, as you yeah. can imagine. Wait, men uh, and women are different? Oh, you didn't. Yeah. But with wow. blood? That's not what I saw on Twitter. <laughs> hey. Um. Sorry, I think continue. so nowadays, eh, which really sucks because I was really getting in the line. Like for a while there, I couldn't donate because like I went on vacations. I got a piercing. I got a tattoo, whatever it may be. So like you have to wait, obviously, to donate. So I've actually only donated seven times, but I've tried more times and my hemoglobin's been bad once. And then before that, like I couldn't because I had traveled somebody somewhere. Um, So... Now, like the last time I donated, I was totally fine. I expected to be exhausted. Mm-hmm. Your body gets used to it, but women can or men can donate. I think it's like fifty-four or fifty-six days, and women can only donate every eighty-four days. That's a rule now, and it really sucks. Like it really drives me nuts because my hemoglobin was fine every fifty-six days. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's it's a requirement now. I think I think it should be like a personal choice. Yeah, how often I want to donate. And they can't legally take my blood if my hemoglobin's too low. So I guess they were seeing a bunch of like negative effects in women that were donating, maybe, maybe. with like iron deficiencies. Well, I find um, they have a, a lot of restrictions. Oh while some, obviously, yeah, because you, yes, yeah, have don't or tried. I can't you have because, because I have eczema. Oh, in your elbows. Yeah. What? Yeah. I can't even see. Maybe it's there. And the only reason why is they're like, we can't find a vein. And I flex. I'm like, look, look I see bam, it. Bam, right there. They wouldn't but they do it. only go in your elbows, too. They I have a better vein on my forearm. They won't. They'll only go in your AC. Yeah. Which, like, your elbows. So, uh, so I was turned away, and I was kind of really upset by that. Yeah. So I cause... haven't been back, um, and that's unfortunate. So, like, you can never donate because you have well, eczema? Well, they said fix it, but I, <laughs> fix it. I can't fix Isn't it. Isn't eczema? But, like, you, you, you almost can't it. see it, but it's there. No. And they're like, it, it'll irritate it as well. I'm like... I don't yeah. care. I don't care. I, uh, take, but just that's take my it. decision. So uh, would that I know taint that. the blood, or it's for your safety? My safety. Um, See, a lot of that drives me nuts because right. I, if no, my, I consent. Give me a form. I don't right. care. My hemoglobin once it has to be one twenty five for women. It was one twenty four the time they turned me away. Are you kidding? I, I'll sign. I'll sign anything. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I let think, me donate. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are. Of that mindset, who try and then they oh get God. turned away Gay and then men. they never come back. That's oh. one of the biggest issues I have. I have a colleague that I work with who's been in a loving, committed relationship for years. Yeah, they need to. He's fix a nurse. That. He's healthy. He's has nothing like no and, and smoking, did, no diabetes, no anything that would turn him away besides the fact that he's gay. And they have to test it for HIV and stuff. I right? know that's what drives me nuts. Like, and the other thing, like, who's to say that? I, as a straight female, have yeah. a, a lower chance. They, like, I, 
don't know why they still do not have they've it's so annoying and people on social media are like reaming them out about it every time i see a post about well, yeah. like calling for donations everyone's like well, screw well that's you. always a huge problem they're always like we're in urgent need and like well you have you. people who are willing and i'm and you're uh, like it's no so hard it's very frustrating seeing it from the other side oh so like putting this into a nursing perspective we used to transfuse people whose hemoglobin these numbers won't mean much to you but let's compare them we used to always transfuse when someone was under 80 a hemoglobin of 80. It was just like, a okay, that's too low. Let's top them up, regardless of maybe what the situation was. Now, because blood banks are so low, we've gone down to like, we don't transfuse if someone's gradually going down until they're at 70. So like, unless they drop from like 120 to 80 in like two hours because they're bleeding out profusely. Like, it's it's significant enough that people aren't maybe getting blood when they need blood. Because you have such a shortage. Well, there's such a shortage. But, like, back to your point about it's very frustrating. I don't want to – I still want people to donate. If they can't donate blood, maybe they can donate money. And that's harder – like, harder to do. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done, whatever. But I really, really, really encourage people to donate. And the thing that drives me nuts is it's so friggin' frustrating. You tried, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, you tried – but I will tell my friends and family about it. Like, I have so many colleagues who are totally eligible and won't. They're just like, I'm scared or I'm, I just never have or I don't have the time. Like, it, you're in and out in an hour. You don't have the time. Yeah. Like, really, you don't have the time. I don't like that excuse for anything. For um, anything. I don't have the time. Uh, you, you really can manipulate your schedule to fit almost anything yeah. in as long as oh it doesn't God. eat up a huge amount yes. of time. Maybe not four jobs or something. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's, anything, okay, get up anything. an hour earlier, go to work. Just yeah. People are very selfish. Well, oh, how does that help me? It's so frustrating. And, and yes, a lot of people will get turned away, but at least try. Mm-hmm. It's the same as saying you don't like something before you tried it. And I think it's baloney. And that mindset in everything, and especially when you could save someone's life, but you're too lazy or you're, like, scared it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt or you. The They're going to die. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to hurt you for five minutes maybe. Yeah. And it, really, like, I've had it done so many times. I'm not going to say the poke doesn't hurt. It sure hurts. It's, it's a needle. But then it's I, in there and you don't feel it. Like, it's, I don't know. Just get over it. Yeah. Or, like, if you're if you're someone who faints genuinely, like, okay, you tried. Yeah. But like I almost fainted my first time. I'm not scared of needles. It's just literally your body's not used to losing a yeah. a, a sixth An of its blood. Yeah. Um and ever since then I haven't. I I don't know if your body just gets used to it or something. Like there was you they gave me some orange juice, mm-hmm. they gave me some cookies, I was fine. Like Yeah. It's one fine. of the easiest ways you can actually make a tangible difference. Yeah, especially um, if you can afford to donate money. Like most of us can't. Yeah. Um, I, I say this often a lot. I think I talked about this with Dylan is I think it's so important that, um, pick at least one thing and be and like, go, go with that, that one charity, that one cause mine is mental health. I also donate to Chio. Um, so those are my two, sometimes depending, I, I might give five or 10 bucks, here or there to, to certain things, but yeah, if I'm if I'm investing my own money, like it's primarily to a mental health, uh, and then yeah, second would it. be Chio. Um, but like no matter what it is, I think everybody 
if everybody in the world picked that at least one thing that they were truly passionate about, cared for, or wanted and to make a difference in, and about. did it, yeah. we could easily for like sure. start knocking off the boxes. Yeah. And I, I always joke though about um, there's a comedian Doug Stanhope, and he has a special on Netflix called uh, Beer Hall uh, Polch. It's German Polch. Okay. <laughs> Um, but he has Perfect. a, I'm he sure. has a bit and, uh, I, I won't do it justice, but okay. he's basically like, there is a hierarchy of things we can fix. Right. Starving people. Right. That's easy to fix because we have a surplus of food. Oh, uh, so let's tackle the things we can easily tackle right off the bat. It okay. Boom. Be. Fix that. Yeah. And then start making our way down the list. And that oh, way we're you not. You talked about this in another podcast. Yeah, I think I did. I love this um, bit because it's so true. Yeah. And then they go all the way down to. And he's like, fucking toys for tots. <laughs> he's like giving like a, a new toy for Christmas. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. I laugh every time, but it's Not, so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if ever, like everyone took care of. And each person's, I think you were saying that each person's pyramid might be different. It, and what it, I consider first will be different than what you consider first per se. But like you, I totally agree with your exact, if everyone picks something and actually committed to it. And we can make, like a, an actual big difference. Yeah. Like, I think saying... people commit to stuff to help themselves. Yeah. So absolutely. if you put that level of commitment, maybe not the same time, like whatever, put that level of commitment to help somebody else. Yeah. Maybe take an hour out of your Netflix watching to go donate blood. That's what I mean. Like for the love you of God. You seriously have time for Every, almost anything. Yes. And even if it's for an hour, you just, you allocate the time properly so yes. like when people are like, I don't have time for the gym. You do. I know. You just, I'm terrible. You don't fit it in. <laughs> yeah. But you choose not, not yeah, to. If that's you play not on your, your phone for an hour instead. If that's yeah. not your priority, fine. Yeah. But I, I, I've I, mentioned this in I think almost every podcast, that Henry Rollins thing where he's and Joe Rogan, they're talking. It's just like they're go, 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 go uh, to keep busy. I'm like, like that's kind of how I want to run my life. Right. Like, okay, so I'm going to do an hour in the gym today. I'm going to do an hour of reading. I'm going to do uh, half an hour of stretching. Boom, boom, boom. Sure. I'm here at work. But I, I think everyone has the chance to structure their right. day properly like that and, in certain and cases. And prioritizing it. Yeah, and charity should be in there. Oh, my God. Once a week. More. I, I would love to say once a week. I mean. Easier said than done. I'm not even quite like that. But even it's so. So I'm not like, for example, my thing. Maybe I don't know if my thing is like donating blood, but. When I can, I do it. It's one thing, like, talking about it. But the biggest thing I've noticed is when I post videos, when I, so I, like, if I donate blood, I'm one of those girls. I take a picture. I take a Snapchat. I take an Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I post on Twitter. Like, no shame. you have to do. I don't even care. Like, I also do that when I freaking hike. That's obnoxious. <laughs> this, I don't think is obnoxious. Because it's, it's wild. So I've had multiple friends and sometimes just acquaintances uh that have said like think like you made me donate and that sounds like i'm patting myself on the back but it was so satisfying i think if i chatted with somebody about it or like when you nag people they don't want to do it yeah. when they see it in front of them and maybe they see the and like the biggest thing is if you see a family or a friend so like if you want to contribute to mental health but you don't have any issues like you're not going to but then your loved one well, is going it. through mental health problems or you have an episode or something that's when you're like holy shit this is really an issue yeah exactly. so like i don't think people realize for the example of blood how 
how necessary it is and like they're like reading a tweet or reading a Facebook ad or whatever like I oh the spam get out of my face but when your friend is posting yeah. something about it or your friend gets in an accident on the other side of it like then you see the you real work realize, comes in right? yeah so could my, you imagine your your mom or dad dying be like we just don't they, have enough blood yeah that horrifying I'm sorry. I don't know if it's come to stuff like that but like certainly some of my patients could have gotten healthy faster mm-hmm if like they had gotten blood faster yeah. or hospital resources because all the cuts in the hospital, like they would have gotten healthy faster. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really liked, it made me really happy when a friend of mine was like, okay, I finally bit the bullet. I like sucked it up. I'm terrified of this. I'm, but I'm going to try. And like a couple of my friends were like, I tried, I couldn't mm-hmm. because a lot of females can't cause their iron levels aren't high enough or their hemoglobin's not high enough. Um, and then I have a friend who was like, I straight up fainted. So, like, thanks for that. But they went. <laughs> but another another they friend of mine action. was like, holy crap, like, I forgot. Because you have to book your next appointment. But, like, it's so far in advance. Like, mm-hmm. maybe you forget. Like, 56 days. If you don't book it right away, you're like, oh, has it been that long? Yeah. She was like, oh, my God, I'm like a month overdue. I didn't realize. Thank you for posting that. You reminded me. And she brought her husband with her. So, like, that was cool. I like that. It works 100%. And I think Um, when you post about mental health, I think that works. I know for a fact it does. Um, Like, if... Or people talk to you about it. If I share my experience, uh, people often come to me with one of their experiences. Um, And you're more, uh, like, oh, he's going through the same thing. I'll talk to him about it. Yeah, like, hey, I noticed you said this and uh, that's how i'm feeling for sure what do you do um so i know that works yeah um but like raising awareness uh i mean it's great and all but it it really is just another form of doing nothing like we people need to take action they need to i think if you you have to combo the two i mean raising awareness is great yeah so then you have to do something about it sure that's great but like if there's no action to that awareness especially as the person raising awareness yeah i think that's super important if you're gonna sit here and tell people to to do something or to donate towards something or whatever it is like walk the walk yeah 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 exactly because there are a lot of people like that as well no no more do as i say not as i do yeah like yeah yeah yeah. I, i i appreciate that people are on twitter like sharing like oh this was a bad day for me Da, 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 da. Like, what that's are you great. doing about we it? We aren't all alone. Okay, I, I yeah. love that. Thank you. But yes. like, let's channel this into yeah. something that's actually going to improve results because, yeah. you know, there's a shortage of blood. Uh, the mental health system is in complete disarray and in yes. shambles of underfunding. Yeah. And the amount of awareness that has now been brought to it is like great. crumbling the system. Though. But it's not working. Yeah, well, That's yeah, my yeah. thing. Like, so people are like, okay, I need help. And they're like... <sighs> Too bad. Great, but it's going to be There's like no six money. months yeah. till you see a therapist. Yeah. And they're well, like, then but... maybe people need to start helping each other more than like. I mean, that would know, be great. If you but... could feel like you could talk to your parents or your friends or yes. family. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, and I saw a post about this today, which was a very good point that like people reach out. And I'm going to use, I'm not the one who posted this. I saw it, but people reach out to me. That's great. Uh, I can say what has helped me. Perhaps it'll help you. Right. But I'm also. Not you. And, this that uh, and the post said it was like i'm not a professional right and potentially what i could say could do more harm than good because uh, i don't know what's going on with you i don't know what you're and i don't with. 
yeah, I don't know how your brain's working. So yeah, I yeah, could yeah. say, we have very hey, like, yeah, I want to kill myself today too. I feel that. They're like, oh, if Ryan does, like, I should. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. that might not right. help just because I'm well, like, like, I'm feeling glorifying that it in movies and TV, they've said, has made like a suicide culture. I don't know if you've seen that. Like, yeah, bringing with awareness to it. Why. Yeah, and that was a whole huge thing. Everybody was like raging about it. I don't know. I think it's really hard. It's so, oh, I don't know. It's so hard to know what to do. Yeah. So I just say, hey, here's what helped me. me. Maybe. And I keep you. it very plain. Yes. I'm like, um, exercise uh, for sure helps. For everything. For sure, 100% does help. But I've seen people. It's not going to cure you. No, it's going to freaking help, though. That's another thing. Gonna like, help. It's, it's not going to cure yeah. you. It's, it's mental health is a full time job, yes. especially that you need to, a whole bunch of things working to, and right. it still won't be right. But, it still won't be right. But it'll help. It does help 100%. Yeah. With Do the you stress, with the. Like, listen to Dak Shepard's podcast ever? No, okay. I've heard I know, of it. I know everybody likes it. That's funny. I really I wanted it. to start a podcast, and I'm like, I love podcasts, and I only listen to two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I <laughs> actually very recently started listening to them, um, but I love his. and he's... He had one recently that was, I don't want to say about mental health. Oh, like all of them are because he's had he's struggled with like addiction. Oh, is it and, okay? And, I know Kristen uh, Bell. She's very vocal. So sh- she's yeah about so her struggles. She has depression and is on medication. And is very vocal about it. And then he had addiction, and I mean with addiction, generally speaking, comes mm-hmm. mental health um, issues. But then, anyways, he talks about it like all the time. And his biggest thing is like, what did you do today? Like you feel like shit. What did you do today? Fix it. Like, don't complain about it 100%. if you're not going to do something. And totally back to our whole thing about don't complain that there's, like, that your parents not getting the best health care if you're not going to do something about it, if you're not going to help the situation. Don't complain. Not don't complain. Like, obviously, you need to vent your frustrations. But if you ate like shit all day, didn't do any physical activity, laid in bed all day, yeah, your mental health is going to be shit. Yeah. And, like, well, you didn't do anything to help that. So. I, uh... My yeah, I I talked because like I'm personal responsibility. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, shit. Yeah. You're talking about that. Um, totally understand. Been there, but that that like you just complaining and it's not just helping anything. It, yeah, it's not, not like, helping you or you me. need to take action. Yeah. Go up, like take a walk. Mm-hmm. Like That's there are certain thing. things where your your mind can push you into certain things. Yeah. It's not going to help cure depression, but if you you really think it Make and you get into better. the routine of thinking it. Your brain can't push you out of bed and be like, like, I don't want to get out of bed. But it's I, a habit. I, yeah. And, oh and my you God, form routine habit. and habit. I take a big deep breath as soon as I wake yeah. up and I go, okay, fuck it. And yeah. I get up. Literally every morning. <laughs> that's what amazing. I do. Yeah. Um, and like, that's the process and yeah. you get up and then you get motivated, you get moving. Yeah. Um, and I get that it's hard, but like you just, tweeting about how shitty you feel is just only going to breed how shitty you feel. And then you start turning into one of those ugly people who just sit on fucking Facebook all day yeah. and comment on every goddamn story yeah, that comes up. Yeah, you love up. your comments. Oh, <laughs> uh, they but, bug yeah, me no, so much. I because these you. people, like, they're just obviously so sad and broken and need like, to make everybody else feel the same way. Yeah, and or make somehow make these stories about themselves. Like, you know what? Just because it's out there on social media and a story doesn't mean you need to offer you your comment or... on it. Like, yeah. And I get this from everybody from all sides. And that's why I just I, I have my personal thing. And it's one of my 10 rules 
No more reading the comments. Uh, reading the comments, <laughs> I can't help. But do not comment. Do n- no yeah. matter or, what the story or, or is. Negatively. What, whatever argue. Don't negatively no, comment. I, I don't comment yes. unless it's tagging my friends. Right. I do not offer my or opinion on any, on any story article. You can do it on here. That's yeah. yeah. That's great for this. Yeah. But like because it it doesn't solve anything if you're no. trying to formulate an argument. It's but not also, solving a problem. It's not like I'm sure you've said this a number of times. It's not a conversation. A comment is not a conversation. No, it's not. And so people what's are the like, point? Like, it's, it's never smart gonna work. I am. And then like and five other people are gonna respond with differing. Yeah, and it's negative. the same with Twitter. Like like you don't have to and I, I understand that some people are doing it because they think they're doing it for a noble cause. Mm-hmm. But like you're you're not helping. No. And there's a couple examples of that. There's the woman who tweeted about the Humboldt crash and was like we only care about this because they were white i'm like not like just no that's heartbreaking right like you have just taken this tragedy and grievance and just made this about something else that it wasn't about before there was she thrived in the fact that everybody retweeted that like well people were also on her like that's the thing right and then probably you you go through the cycle that friggin liked all that negative shit too and and like people you go through that cycle where there's hate and there's two other examples i'll give is there's one where people think they're being a good person by being a shitty person so for instance, if you're a racist mm-hmm. and I come on and I'm like, Casey, I hope you die and your kids die of cancer and da da da. But, but I'm standing <laughs> up for, for the race, like for the people who are the victims of racism. So I'm a good person by telling this person to die. No, 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 no. That does not make you a good person by being a shitty person just because you think right. it's for two wrongs do not make a do right. Do not make a right. One of the most basic I concepts. I think we learned that when we were in grade right? one. And, how and it's gone <laughs> all yeah. out the window for a lot of right. adults. Um, it's like you see that on Twitter. Like Roseanne or uh, I know right now there's the big thing of um, Norm MacDonald who tweeted or he it was in an interview talked about Roseanne and Louis C.K. and paraphrasing long story short Cole's notes was just basically like I don't think people who make mistakes should lose everything I think you know they they should show remorse and try to fix it and make right. it better so but people were were on him for that being like I hope you die like well, um Bo Burnham just posted something today I don't know if you know it, him. He's it might a comedian. Have been, yeah. uh, similar to, to that, this. saying um, basically, so I, I'm not going to remember the name of the writer, but this guy was a huge asshole. He treated women like shit. He wasn't a good person. Okay. He was yeah. a terrible person. But if I hadn't read his novel when I was in fifth grade, I wouldn't be where I am today. It's what changed me. And Dak Shepard says a lot of things like that too. Like, can you separate the person's good things from their bad things? Like, they were a shitty person, but they did this good thing. And there's a lot of, like, I don't know if I can, personally, myself. I don't know if I can like you once I find out you're a horrible person. Like, Sir Johnny McDonald, like, all this stuff. Like, I don't know if you heard about that But you got to think in that, like, just in that example, it's the context. Yes, okay, that was bad. But at the time, it was different. It's the same thing with, like, (sighs) the Me Too movement. You get into this this whole like different sides of it it's like everyone knows it was wrong at now like it's not appropriate but at but at a time like it was the norm but it wasn't okay yes you're right yeah but can you if it was considered normal in society 
just because we don't consider it normal now. But it was Can only really considered normal them? in society because women didn't have a voice yes. to say that it wasn't okay. So, like, I'm not saying... Like, I'm sure there was guys in my high school who were shitty people, and now they're wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Like, I can separate that. I don't know. I'd, I think it's all really... Uh, people grow, people change. Yeah. I think as a society, we finally come to realize when shit's wrong and there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed and needs to be addressed. I think we go at it in a very dramatic set- setting. Like we all, everything's well, a movement. It's everything's mom mentality. A, everything's like a mom we mentality. Need ta- we need to right. take everything and everyone But it's with also us. really hard. I think in a lot of these situations, like there's innocent bystanders, like not all men were friggin' groping people. Mm-hmm. A lot of my guy friends have never smacked me in the butt. Yeah. Some of them have. And it's con- like you said, it's context. Some of them weren't being pervy or I didn't I didn't find myself victimized. But someone else might. But then in another instance I have been smacked in the butt where I did feel yeah, victimized. Of course. It's all context. It's all it's But your version so of much... being victimized is also different from another person's. Right, but it's so contextual and it's so hard to put these things and group these things into a whole math movement. Yes. Like it's all so individual and how do you i don't i i think it's all mm-hmm. so over dramatized like 100 percent. Yeah. i don't think that's a word but it's just way too dramatic and we all need to like be accountable for ourselves speak up for ourselves mm-hmm. if somebody does something to you they should be punished mm-hmm. depending on what that was but like you don't need to post on social media you don't need to like well you don't need to offer a comment on ruin it ruin their family's lives about it like yeah i mean i'm of the opinion and this is where i i waver on it because i don't know like if hitler said he was sorry would we forgive him no no fuck no 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 because he's like he's not he's our (laughs) pinnacle of evil right so how can i say we should forgive everybody if they show remorse i don't think we should forgive everybody uh, I think it depends on the severity yeah, of the situation. Everything has to, the... I guess, yeah, I guess you just said that. Everything has to be case by case. Yes. But I think for things that are not like super like heinous crimes, um, if you choose to forgive them because of that. Well, people forgive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're abusers. They're parents. They're this. Yeah, they're I also kind of think that like that person didn't, do it to me. So while I don't have to accept it or care for them. Why am I freaking out so much? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like this really doesn't affect me. So how am I, I can think you, but why? Like it's not up to me to forgive them or. Yeah. Um. Like for someone for like Louis CK, like I'm kind of like, okay, if he wants to try to be a comedian again, I've, I, okay. Cause actually I liked him as a comedian. I don't condone what he did um and that's a whole other little story but anyway it's just like i don't know what he did but i loved his comedy right um do i will i watch again i know like i would love to say i wouldn't but i probably would so i just find in situations like that it's that's been happening from the dawn of time you know like even for me uh if i find that i I follow everyone on social media, like all the famous people. If I don't like them, now all their movies I watch are a little bit tainted. So I think people will still watch Louis C.K., but I think it's going to be a little bit tainted. Mm -hmm. And a large portion of people will not watch him 
he won't be where he was when all of this went down by any means. I don't. But I don't know though. I know I don't know because, because there's as, a lot of politicians as that went left on to be as the left pushes Donald. for their cause, it creates the counter movement, mm-hmm. right? Like, like me too, for instance. It was like, it's all great. We're pushing uh, the women's rights and stuff, but then you get, excuse me, the resistance, and the people that are like, oh, like it's not an issue. <laughs> yeah, or like, sir, 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 I think everyone, everyone with a brain can recognize that, like. The movement was good and right. it was like putting like people like Harvey Weinstein and predators and you know hopefully stopping other predators hopefully who maybe weren't caught like her like okay I'm not going to young people to come forward yeah exactly so as a whole um it was it, yes it was great um but like I lost my train of thought but <laughs> where it was going what was I saying um I think you were saying that like he's probably gonna come back well, right. As, so, so, yes, thank you. So, the same as that all was. went, then people are like, well, as men, like, you know, we have to initiate conversations. And how am I supposed to know that, you know, you get both, you get arguments on all the sides for the men and the women. And then you create like a clash of people arguing about it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's it just, and it's like, you saw it. Like, Trump was elected president because oh. people were against society so there's always gonna there's always gonna be the opposition it's so frustrating and you saw an example of this is that um that this is not like as at the same level but that um shop in toronto that was it was um antler i think it was called and it was serving like fresh game meat okay and there was uh vegans outside protesting okay um and they were like harassing patrons and the the owner went and started carving up a deer carcass in the That's in the why window. Everything's so dramatic, right? Why does so everything need to, be to so like, dramatic? so people took pictures of that, oh, and then it Lord. it went viral because this guy is doing right. it in front of the. That guy's like last time I heard was sold out for like eight months because people are literally loved just it. doing it. What people loved that? Well, people are like, yeah, like screw vegans. I'm going to go oh. like booked for eight months solid, right? Oh, if you create one movement, you're always going to have the uh, opposition come in yeah. and. So for Louis C.K., it's like people are going to support what he him did, more. Yes, uh, people yes. that are on his side are going to. Yes, right. That's it. I see that. Uh, I'm not saying that's right. I know. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying like that is a fact. Back to it's just all situational. It's be- so frustrating. People just need to calm down. That's like the long and short of it. So just... going back to our other conversation, if people were focusing on that charity and raising money for their right. initiative and not focus on posting on every single story on right. social media and offering yeah. their hot takes and their opinions and their Maybe arguments. Maybe walk the walk and don't bother talking the talk. Yeah. Like <laughs> just it, shut up and it, do it. it like, okay. How about you just don't do that? And yeah. how about you just go start a, a, a woman's shelter or um, go start a, a campaign? Or just fundraising here at one yeah exactly you don't have to go all in like there's so many ways that you can help without necessarily spending a lot of money spend your time Mm -hmm. a lot of people underestimate how much their time is worth like there's volunteers everywhere there Mm -hmm. are so many societies that need volunteers yeah like everywhere literally at crisis lines need Mm -hmm. volunteers i'm sure they're always short Mm -hmm. like i don't know for sure but i'm sure they are there's like volunteers in hospitals there's volunteers at every single charity in the world or just volunteering your time with your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. instead of spending that 10 minutes writing some ragey thing on f- 
Facebook. For nothing. Call your loved one on the phone and talk about whatever what the issue was that made you so ragey. Yeah, that's definitely what like, I started to do. I have my friend, my friend off. Courtney, and I'll just be like, Bent time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah, this tweet, yeah, and blah, 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 blah. and like sometimes we don't agree. Like sometimes she's like, but you need friends on like that, that side. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't matter to me. Like if we like, and we talked about this. Like uh, we texting that one day, yeah, yeah. where it's like we can have disagreements and still be friends. I think it's healthy. And if you we agree, can't all be the same. Yeah. As long as you are like not hurting anybody, I think it's the biggest thing. Right. I'm like, you can believe whatever you want as long as you're not hurting anybody. Right. For me. And if there's there's an argument to that, perhaps let me know. But like things like like sexism, racism, uh like I think just murder, genocide, rape, sexual assault. Shut up about it. Like well, that's not a, not all the time. Obviously talk to your friends about it. Just don't like You don't have to offer a comment on everything. Everything. Sometimes you can just think it. Yeah. And you're just like Yeah. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Okay, back on to my day. Okay, Ignore what am I doing here? It. But no, like there's some people who just need to offer their opinion on everything. on everything. Everything. And I'm just like, yeah. really? I have a picture on my phone now, and it's like a it's like a SpongeBob meme, and he's like holding a book, and it's like, here's why you shouldn't have tweeted that, and he's like <laughs> holding like a book. I love and it. It's a huge book. Um, <laughs> the other thing, because I want to get this story off my chest, why I actually have a podcast going. <laughs> Tell me. I'm, it's I'm when here. Mac Miller died. Okay. Very um, recently. On Friday. And people started attacking. Attacking Ariana Grande. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. And she was such like. Super. Oh. But I think we can recognize those are sick people. They're trolls. They're um, mostly trolls they're, or nasty people. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right? Yes. But then on the internet, I started seeing um, some people coming forward and and making this a gender issue and saying that oh, this I is the problem on how men see women as caretakers and that they have to fix men and this is the whole problem and men should be ashamed of themselves the for attacking here. Ariana Grande I'm like I'm like no that's not the issue those are just trolls yes a young man died we didn't need to make this Let's into an, a whole other that issue thing yes it was like yeah, let's focus on addiction yes. and mental yeah. health. And and uh, <laughs> something I saw, actually, a lot of my feed today was, um, so for a while it was all derogatory, horrible things about Ariana Grande. Like she had to like disable our comments on her yeah. photos and like she's in a pretty happy spot in her life right now and mm -hmm. people are like eating her alive for being happy. Like how dare yeah. you dump somebody and then he relapsed. And people were like, it's not the, like it's not, a woman's responsibility for a man after right. they break like, up. I didn't. I didn't see. I'm like, that, you're right, but, but like, that's not again, you're making it a woman versus man yeah. thing when it's not no. because men also sometimes have yeah. to leave toxic relationships due to oh, addiction or for sure. like it. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. a human. So my thing. thing today was actually a bunch of, I wouldn't say fluff pieces because they were like nice things, being like lay off her, like she did a lot to help his addiction. Yeah, I and. They never should have had to write that. Like yeah. he died, it didn't have anything to do with her. Yeah, exactly. Necessarily, maybe, maybe that was a factor. Well, people blamed it's it on his friggin' fault on the breakup, things. right? That he went into oh God, more maybe addiction that because had something to do with it. He still had addiction issues yeah. well before that. And you know, I think anyone who's been through a breakup knows, knows that be as a result of that breakup, 
you do some self yeah harm or whatever not going like to depression physical like, but like that go out drinking go out yeah, sleeping exactly. around like stuff you shouldn't be doing like that's a thing and just because they do that and it's yeah and be they're doing that because of the breakup it is still not the fault of like no the breakup everyone no, is in Entitled to break up with everyone loves somebody. to blame somebody else, right? We don't. Yeah, we don't need. We love to we don't blame. Need a, a victim and a hero of every story. Back to your big thing. Take friggin' accountability for yourself. Like yeah. you don't have to blame somebody else. Like take accountability for the real issue here. Yeah. Like he had mental health and addiction issues. Exactly. Why are we blaming? And like somebody? that's a huge issue. On it. like we talked about the mental health, but the addiction like crisis oh. right now and op- opioids oh, and. Everything like that, like that's just oh, bananas. Another thing that I uh, try to promote, Narcan kits. Do people know about Narcan kits? I have never heard of Narcan no. kits. So opioids, opioid addiction is a big thing. Oh, yeah. Pop- kits. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like um, naloxone, you might yes. have heard it called. Narcan is the same thing. It's I like listen to CBC. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're free. Um, if you go to a pharmacy, the pharmacist will describe how to use them to you and explain it to you. Um, I believe they're still free. They were for a while, like maybe a few months ago when it got to its crescendo of really mm-hmm. terrible amounts of people dying from fentanyl overdoses. Um, I think it's I have still bad. Three. I don't think it's under I have crescendo. one in my phone, or one in my phone, one in my car, one in my backpack, and one in my apartment. I've never needed to use one, thank God. And I'm sure you need to update them. I just got them a few months ago. But it's so easy. There's a needle that you can give somebody or there's like a nasal thing if you're worried about trying to Mm -hmm. manipulate it. I think everybody should have one and everybody should know how to use it because you don't know when you might need to. It could be that you're chilling at a party and somebody went too hard. You know, you go to those parties and you see someone like dying in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, it's not hilarious. If they yeah. did something like opioids. Well, and especially and that like fentanyl's in almost everything now. Oh my god. They're and putting the, it in cocaine. It's terrifying. Like, uh they in weed, like I don't know the effects if you put it in weed if you can actually overdose. I don't I don't know, but I know I've heard like reports about that and Yeah. I think it's still mostly like the underground like people doing like there's patches and there's injections that people are dying from, I would think mm-hmm. more. Because um, it's, it's a super small dose. Oh my god! Right, like it's uh, crazy. From... And it's an opioid, so like, how many teenagers have needed to go on Percocet before? Mm-hmm. You don't know what a friggin' op- you don't know what dose you need. And like, if you're using it to get high, a lot of people are using more. Yeah, they'll than take they, two or three more four than pills. what they need for pain by any means. Yeah. Oh, it's just uh, terrifying. So I think, um, like, you go to a shoppers and you ask them. For if you go to the pharmacist and say like, "Hey, show me how to use a Narcan kit. Are you still offering them? If it's five bucks out of my pocket, that's five bucks saving somebody's life potentially, right? Mm-hmm. I, like, hallelujah, I've never had to use it, and maybe I'm not in. I don't live downtown or somewhere where I might mm-hmm. see somebody, but like, you never know. And there's something very simple where you could help somebody. Yeah. Quickly, how do you feel about um, supervised injection sites? I'm for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm also for um, MAID. I don't know if you know what MAID is. Medical assistance in dying, basically. Legal euthanasia. It was oh, a yeah, big yeah, issue yeah. like last year. Almost we... all like healthcare people, I think, mostly are. Right. Because I think people think euthanasia and they hear it and that was a horrible friggin' thing in the, I don't know, friggin' 90s or yeah. whenever it was like coming to light. It's not that. 
Um, so both things are super controversial and I totally 100% understand if you're on either issue or if you're not sure. It's one of those things like religion. Like you don't have to decide where your loyalties lie yeah. here. So for supervised injection sites, I am for it. I've read a lot of literature on it. I've like not spoken to anyone firsthand, but I've seen them. Um, it doesn't, a, a lot of the people that are fighting it are saying it increases the likelihood of someone using or like, oh, there's somebody somewhere that I can go. I'm going to go do it then. Yeah, but they're Oh, safe. you're saying I could do it legally? No, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That's not always happening. It's harm reduction, isn't it's it? It's harm reduction. And like, if you look at any European countries, um, like dramatically more than North America and I think South America, there's all the, like the Nordic countries mainly, you'll see the quality of life is like a million times. They don't arrest people necessarily that have done drugs and overdosed or that are like if someone gets arrested for having drugs they send them to rehab mm-hmm. they don't put them in jail where they're going to get more drugs or learn how to do drugs go or back get into the better, system yeah, yeah yeah make no money go back in the system not be able to get a job and now they're selling drugs because they have to do something mm-hmm. illegal like get people rehab yeah you need so to at these safe injection sites i don't think people realize how many people go to those sites so like I'm getting high in the alley at every every single day for five years. I go to a safe injection site every single day for two years, and maybe they send me to they find me somewhere. There's social workers there. There's pamphlets. I know it sounds stupid, but if you're getting high while looking at all the ways that you can be helped mm-hmm. and that you can not get a stupid infection, that that's what's going to kill you, or mm-hmm. use a safe amount, or like not get all your shit stolen. If you're a homeless person, mm-hmm. that's high. Like, there's so many benefits. And, like, yes, it is illegal drugs. I get it. People are going to use think, regardless. I think people criminalize addiction when they should be treating it as a community, like, as a health, as yep. a society health issue. Mm-hmm. It's a health issue, not a criminal issue. Mm-hmm. It can become a criminal issue. I'm not saying people that are, like, run friggin' drug rings aren't criminals they are they are victimizing people they're manipulating whatever someone who has an addiction issue and like you don't just develop one of those by just out of the blue yeah there's something that led up to you becoming addicted and you're not going to be helped in the criminal that's not going to rehabilitate you like Guitars, how many people you, look at the no. states right now it's oh prime God. example there's so much evidence for it mm-hmm. and if something as simple as a safe injection site could save you from going to jail could save your life mm-hmm. yeah i'm for it i don't like save taxpayers think, money oh my god but yes honestly it's because old people are selfish and stupid <laughs> I hate to say it. You don't have to say it. I'm not going to say that. Definitely not. But but a lot of them are, okay. unfortunately. Uh, I think also the stigma is is so, like, they're criminals. And yeah. it used to be so. That's what I mean. They're not willing you ha- to. You're doing drugs like weed is bad. A lot of people are not ready to evolve their ideas or listen no. to the other sides, right? Which Everyone's I will stuck say, in their ways. as much as we rag on millennials... As as much as I certainly have my issues with millennials, and, and I'm sure you do too, like work ethic, I think was a thing of yours, whatever. Um, being flexible and like going with the flow and changing your ideas, I will say millennials 
are great. We're much more open. Much more open to change, mm-hmm. I would say. And and not that older For- people aren't too. Like, I think my parents probably had very, like, very certain ideas about things. And I think I've seen them change too. I think today's society is really encouraging change, encouraging, like, uh, growth. Better change. Yeah. Is what, like, and like acceptance, listen inclusion. to all the things before you decide what you think, you know, sometimes you don't even have to, like you said, formulate an opinion. No. Or like, like read the right literature. Yeah. I think a lot of people read what their friend or grandma or whatever posted on about safe injection sites. Like my Chris and I talked about second that. brother's cousin stuck in your bubble died here. Yeah. At one of these sites, yeah. or like this is why he's an addict. Well, like that happened to him. Well, you get but stuck like in your bubble where it's like you only see people who are your yeah, family, you saying, or like, if like, you see if you post left stuff, you get more left. Yeah, stuff your political at you. ideologies, yeah. your religious ideologies, like it. And that's who you, you stay with your inner with. circle, yes. right? Like no one's which is kind of the evolving. beauty of social media in some ways. Yes, you do still see a lot of your leanings. But you might see stuff that you don't agree with. You might. And then you're like, oh, that mildly changed my opinion on this topic. Yeah. I try not to take a, a hard stance on anything. Right. Because There's I want There's very few things that I'm not flexible yeah. on. But even mental health, I'm not, like, I'm not truly, like, I have, based on the evidence I have now and what I've read and who I've talked to, I believe this. But I never want to take a hard stance 100% on anything. Right. Because I'm not saying I'm an expert I, on any of it. Yeah, yep. like I'm always will. If there is new evidence presented that is contrary to my belief, like I want to be able to accept that and go right. with it as as truth. Right? right? Like that's the beauty of it. Like on anything. Like I think I guess or you could say like for now. Like it might be the truth for now. Yeah. Like maybe euthanasia was not okay. Made medical assistance in dying is okay. It's different. Like that back then, it was the truth was that wasn't okay. Now there's so many regulations. I don't know if you're like familiar with it. Uh, I've heard a little bit. Apparently, it's quite a rigorous oh process to it's like, go through it. It's rigorous. Like there is so much that goes into it. They nobody is taking this lightly. And I think a lot of people thought um, when it first rolled out, like that I'd have to do it. Like a lot of nurses were like, screw, no friggin' way am I not doing that. Like that's against my religion. That's against my beliefs. That's against my morals. Um, It's like a whole team separate. They don't work at the hospital even. I've oh, I wow. met them. I've been involved in it and I actually watched one out of my own education and like mm-hmm. curiosity and whatever. And I encouraged my student at the time to do the same and she really got a lot out of it and um. I decided I could do, I think I could be a part of that team. And she decided like she could not Mm -hmm. and do your own thing. Um, But you have so many hoops to jump through to even get there. What was like, what's the main opposition for it? Like against uh, like assisted dying? Uh, I guess I would say uh, with the individual, I would say religion. At the whole, I would say morality, like you're committing suicide and it's the same stigma against like you're you're legally committing suicide, basically. Um, and somebody's help, helping you do it. And what kind of person would help you do that? Mm. Um, but it's so back to like everything is so situational. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
the people that are applying for this kind of thing have to have chronic illnesses. They're very specific about what your prognosis has to be terminal. Mm-hmm. And it has to basically be like, you're going to die a horrible death. Like, and then they have two meetings. So you have this huge, like, hour, several long hour meeting with somebody who does this whole assessment on everything in your life and your mental capability to make this decision because no family members can be present because people are heavily influenced by what their family wants. Um, like even as something is deciding to be palliative, a lot of people don't because their family don't want them to, mm. but like they want to. So for this, they do a whole meeting and then they do two weeks later, they do a second meeting. If you have any significant change in that time, if you have a drink in that time of alcohol, if you have any episodes of confusion, delirium, anything that would decide that you cannot make this decision, or if you change your mind in that time, you have a second interview, they do it again. And then two weeks after that is when they plan the date. And again, all those things, like you can't have any episodes of confusion on the day they do a mini, like, do you know what day it is? Whatever. It's very, very, um, if anyone's ever put their dog down, how humane that is. Mm-hmm. It's like a beautiful little ceremony. It's sad. Oh my God, of course. But everyone's there that loves you. You can have a little party. You can have the last, your last rites, your last this, your last that. I think it's a very humane way to mm-hmm. go. And I think a lot of people think it's really immoral. And I think it's way more moral than making your family member rot. Yeah. Suffer and, and suffer a horrible death and... when they don't want that. Yeah. And some people, it's against their religion to do it. And I 100% go the way you want to go. Go mm-hmm. the way that makes you happy. Go the way that you're going to find rest. If this is the way you find rest, how dare people tell you that you can't do that? Yeah, it's weird that, like, if I consented that I want to die and you consented and I asked you to kill me and you consented to killing me, that that that's totally different, though. But that wouldn't even go under the law. Like, that would be, like, involuntary manslaughter or something. Right. That is different which is this super is totally weird. different this is medical I know, assistance but i mean like that's super weird why is it the society's job or obligation to tell i think that tell them what i want i think helping if, it, I, it's it's hard to say how but it's so much different than committing suicide no i i know right? i understand that yeah. for sure right like you're in a terminal illness i, I totally yeah. got that what i'm saying is it's weird to me that as a culture and as a society that if we I have both the right to tell you that that's not okay or that like if i want to die and wanted you to kill me and you agreed to killing me and we filled out like a legal document saying like nope it's not murder blah 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 like that's not acceptable like it's weird that we don't have that choice yeah in my opinion it's weird that we don't have that choice uh I guess I see what you're saying, how maybe the law shouldn't be involved. Well, why is it anyone's business if we're two consenting adults? Uh, why is it anyone's business? That's so different, though. This has, no, like... No, so, again, yeah. not relating this to any situation I of... I don't know if of, I agree with, like, friends helping friends commit suicide, though. But that's what I mean. Like, I'm not saying, like... It's, maybe I'm not it's saying not that you have to do it. I'm just saying, business. hypothetically, if you agreed and i wanted you to okay well then i think in that case you should have to do like the same you have to go through extensive therapy sessions to talk about why and like talk about what happened i think a lot of people that try and commit suicide like don't do that don't think it through yeah 
no, 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 not don't think it through by any means, but don't like go to therapy or mm-hmm. get medicated or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. This is a weird. I don't know what I would do. And I don't know. And that's I wouldn't fine. Try I'm to just help like, anyone for sure. I just find it weird. Uh, that, that society death, can that death is so nah. it's so absurd these days people are so scared of it like you don't live to be a hundred like what happened yeah it's a uh... death can be a relief death can be humane i don't know what the word is i don't want to say it's like it's like has this like aura around it and i get it like it's the f- finality of your life like mm-hmm. it's the end mm-hmm but like, there's just there's so much on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. Like, why is it the government or anyone's business to to tell me if I don't know? I yeah, want pretty, to die. I, pretty philosophical uh, questions. You want to talk that deep? <laughs> oh no, I just I don't know what to say about that. Like, I don't know it's the answer. It is interesting, that, like, and I think everybody even that needs they have to, to go through this themselves. whole thing. It's like, why can't it just be enough that? I have a terminal disease. The doctor says, I'm going to die a really bad death, so I want to die. Yes. Why is it not enough to just that be so, enough? I guess because that's been manipulated in the past. So I might say, oh, yeah, she said that she wants to die. Like, I'm her daughter or something. Mm. And I'm sure, I don't, obviously, I don't know exactly what, but Lord knows at some point in time, I decided, my I want my mom to die so I can get her inheritance. She said she wants to die. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like, there's, for me, that's weird. Like, I think the reason that the legalities and everything are put in place is to make it ethical, and like, like you said, society needs to butt out. It's none of their opinion. It's it's none of their business. But I think the legality side of it should be there because people will manipulate that if you don't. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, well, like a daughter wouldn't have any say of their mom's choice to die though you know what i mean yeah the problem is like a lot of times once people have terminal illnesses their minds are affected so they can't make those decisions so it's a move point yeah it's like very rare that people are able to go through with this yeah 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 in the end i've heard that yeah like you can choose to be palliative and then your mind will go and that's fine but you'll like what's the difference what's palliative uh basically you just stop Uh, it's like pulling pulling the plug Basically, but some like a lot of the time, the quotation marks pulling the plug isn't literally a machine. It's just like I stop giving you all the medications that are. I stop giving you barely giving you you a life. Okay. Yeah. So you just kind of just let them go. Yeah, let them go. Yeah. So some people are are okay with like most people that are religious are okay with palliation, but not with Mm -hmm. medical assistance and death. I have one more question for you, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Okay. But I'm interested. Sounds good. Um, what's it like to watch someone die? Oh, that's not a okay. I don't question. know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I knew um, it wouldn't be offensive, but I know. I mean, that's like it, a very. It's really touchy and dark, and so if you have just lost someone, maybe stop talking. It's um the first time that I saw somebody die. It was really difficult, and I was just like so surprised it's not like in the movies you know you expect everything in your life to be like the movies you really do so the first time that somebody passed away in my care um I didn't even see it happen like I walked in the room and they had already gone oh and 
bodies are very different than what you expect. Um, so the like biological part of it was really something like we have um, protocols of what you do with a body, obviously, mm-hmm. to prepare it for the morgue and to prepare it for like you take out all the IVs, you take out catheters, you take out anything that's mm-hmm. attached to them kind of thing. Um, but obviously you're leaving on like rings, you're closing their eyes, um, things like that. You're cleaning them up so they're clean and ready to go to the morgue. Um, but it's like handling that is really difficult. So it, handling a body, weird, yeah. it's so weird. Like I've cleaned up patients a million, like this particular patient was incontinent. So I was yeah. cleaning them up like of bowel movements all the time. That was just a norm for mm-hmm. me, but cleaning them up once they pass, it was so strange. Like it was just, they're not there. And yeah. it's so weird. It's the same body. It's the same person, but it's so different. And you know, people talk about like the soul is gone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you feel that you like the room is empty and like it's, so it's, it's very strange. Um, the times when it, so that was just kind of like a weird awakening for me. And I went home and I was like, am I okay? Mm-hmm. I think I'm okay. But like, is this going to just a weird like experience. come back yeah. like later and haunt me? Um, the time that it actually really, really affected me is when like an emergency situation, we were doing CPR and the patient passed away. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Cause like I watched them go. Mm-hmm. Um, so like anything, in life when something dramatic happens to you um you really have to go home and assess yourself and be like am i okay so the big thing for us is like um whenever there's a situation like that a lot of the time luckily in my hospital we have something called the race team so somebody's going south um you call them they kind of our experts are all icu doctors and nurses and rts uh, respiratory therapists Mm -hmm. and they like bring the patient to icu fix them in the room and like bring them to icu before they crash Um, and then there's like a crash team and everything. So a lot of the time we're all like, uh, a friend of mine had a Fitbit during this particular event and her heart rate was higher for the hour that we were doing CPR and everything than it was when she went to the gym that night. Oh wow. Like dramatically higher. Another reason why like nurses have health issues. (laughs) Like heart rate shouldn't be that high for that long. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is like decompressing. So finding what helps you decompress, I think, is a big thing in nursing, um, in any situation where death is involved, especially, uh, or where, like, a really bad situation happens at work. Um, We might not consciously think about it or actively talk about what helps us, but I would say the number one thing is that we all, like, sit at the desk and talk about what happened or, like... It's, it might sound like gossip, but gushing to your friend about the situation and being like, oh, my God, I need to vent. Mm-hmm. And I can only vent to my friends that were there because it's illegal for me to give you any details yeah. about it, right? So hence why, like, nursing people are all this, like, we all need to talk about our situations all the time. So that's a big thing. A lot of my friends find, like, when they have had a really incredibly hard day at work, working out, like, going to the gym and, like, blowing off steam. Mm-hmm. It's so stereotypical but it super works going home and having a glass of wine like going home and distracting yourself with your favorite tv show things like that are superficial talking it out Mm -hmm. is what helps and then like if you need to take a break from work like you said like a lot of people go off on stress leave like make sure you do that Mm -hmm. because if you go back and you're not ready to go back 
like it's not good for you and it's not good for the patient. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think, um, I think everybody finds their ways of dealing with it. As far as death goes in the hospital for me, I've not, I've been okay. Mm -hmm. Like 95%, like there's been literally one time where it was a huge deal and it was really terrifying and horrible. Every other time that I've had someone pass away, it's been like a blessing in disguise. And a lot of them have been palliative. Mm. Like I think one time it was an issue that was like, holy crap, like that never should have happened. Mm -hmm. And every other time it's been that it was expected. Like family is usually around or family at least knew that that was going to happen. And like the patient themselves are generally prepared for it, which is all you can ask for, right? Mm -hmm. Like being ready. Yeah. And like, not just the patient, the family being ready. So I think a lot of people think all these, and it, it does like an emerge in ICU and trauma and everything. There's a lot of dramatic deaths. Luckily for me, I don't work on any of those units and it's mostly really like kind of not happy, but it's like a blessing. Like it was their time. Yeah. Yeah. People knew the and suffering that, and is. And it might sound horrible, but a lot of the times that somebody passes away, we're like, oh, that was a long time coming. Like they were ready. Yeah. And that needed to happen. Hmm. It well, needs that, to happen eventually. That's super happy note. Ah, are we? Oh my what God. What a uh, yeah. great conversation. <laughs> How long do you think we went for? Like two and a half hours. Uh, two hours and 17 minutes. Oh, on the dot. damn, I'm good. That was really, that was okay, really interesting. I know. In depth. I'm, Thank you for coming on. I'm, it was uh, very much my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I hope, uh, yeah, two hours. I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't know I could, we could talk that long, but. You, you and I. Well, you're my longest good. one. Yeah. Um, where can people follow you and learn more how to donate oh, blood? Uh, well, donating blood, I mean, go to like, <laughs> it's in you to give or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have anything special, but I have Instagram. It's you take tons of travel photos and hiking. Oh, I haven't gone anywhere in long enough, but uh, I have Instagram. It's Casemo, so C-A-S-E-M-O-7, Casemo7 my name and then on twitter i mostly just retweet all your podcast stuff and, and, <laughs> and go on, on and other people's spree. podcast and i go on big liking sprees and like favorite. the odd buzzfeed retweet i'd be like oh casey's on from like a night shift or something exactly it's, like, <laughs> it's totally night shift. and then it makes me think that i tweeted too much yeah no it's uh so space case seven thank you for coming on my pleasure uh casey morrison ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening thanks. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.